is Jack Kimball. Represents Sartell Wine. I was making a sandwich. No, you just sell drugs to children. Welcome to The Good, The Bad, and The Sequel. This is the movie podcast where we're talking sequels and we do it in two parts. The first, an interview with an actor or someone involved that made the film worth watching. And the second, a discussion of the sequel, what they got right, what they got wrong, and how it could have been better. I really hope you enjoyed last week's interview with actor Tim Russ. Of course, we talked about his role as Jesse the Pusher, who works for multiple gangs in this in <laughs> Death Wish 4, which is the sequel that you're going to be discussing. But we talked about, of course, Star Trek, his start in Hollywood. And man, it's just such a cool guy talking about his transition to be being behind the camera and directing great chat. If you didn't check that out, check it out later. Cause you have to be ready for this week's review of <laughs> death wish for, but before we talk about this classic Bronson movie, I got to introduce you to my partner in the sequel watching journey, Jamie Riccardi, Jamie, how you doing, man? Doug, I'm doing fantastic. Awesome movie to watch. You know, I, I'm very new to the death wish franchise. Um, I love three. This one, to me, I don't really consider it a death wish. No, I just I just considered it like an awesome eighties action movie. I agree. It, 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 it kind of it kind of went away from the death wish like formula. Well, the third one went away from it like crazy when you really think about it. But this one, it's it's just insane. It, it, it the third one did go away from it, but it still had elements of Death Wish. Where this one, this one is like the Fast and the Furious Part Five, you know, <laughs> where it, it totally goes off the rails. That's 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 the best way I could put it. But it's awesome. I would I would say it's like before we introduce this week's guests. I would say it's like two and three had sex, had a baby because in this one he has those elements of two where he goes and like sort in disguise pretends to be other people and then the parts of three that are just bad shit well if, if that's bad shit this is like i mean uh yeah we'll, we'll get into it I, I mean i do have a lot of questions Good. but yeah we, we need we need an expert for this one without our a action movie sequel expert he has well, oh his first sequel he did with us was death wish three then he was best of the best two and then Under Siege 2. Man, this guy. He's covered all Bronson, Eric Roberts, Seagal, Bronson again. And that is, of course, our action movie sequel expert, Andrew Powers. Andrew, how you doing, man? Doing great, Doug and Jamie. Glad to be here. Glad to be back with another Bronson flick, uh, especially with the, the Death Wish series. I mean, it's 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 probably the best series out there besides it's Friday the 30th. Is yeah. this your first time seeing this one or you've seen it before? No, I I have never seen this one. Um I actually didn't know there was a 4 until uh I googled 3. And <laughs> I and now I'm really surprised that there's a 5. There, I, I heard there's a 5 also. Now, Bronson was I think 67 in this one. Yep. Okay. Yeah, this this was 1987. So how old is he in 5? 5 it took it like six years so yeah he's old because <laughs> he i mean listen i love bronson but he looked old in this one and and you, you know the one thing i did notice is that he doesn't do a lot of running like he's done in other ones he tends to shoot a lot of people in the legs so he has enough time to get there smart when you're that old and you yeah. know, I think the, yeah. from this one to three 
is only two years. He looks so much younger. Two years <laughs> goes a long way. Yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. So, and then I have some behind the scenes things and future things that might have been. I got a, I got some good research, but let's just dive right in. These movies are great. Obviously, Canon Films did it. Oh. This movie was supposed to have a monster budget. Charlie did not. I can call him Charlie. Charlie did not <laughs> like the third one. I guess he didn't like the storyline of that one. So he was like so pissed about it. So what he did was he wanted a lot of money and they cut this budget so bad. There was a movie called Pirates that came out in 86. It bombed Canon after they just made a ton of money off of Chuck Norris's Invasion USA. This budget, $5 million. Chuck got, I think, almost $4 million. So I don't know how they did it. Wait, 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 wait. Sense. Wait, wait. So the budget's five million for this movie. Yeah. And he made four million of that. Yeah, that's why I don't believe it because <laughs> there's no way they could have done a million for everything. I'll talk about some corners that I found out that they cut in this movie, but really, even a million bucks, you couldn't get some of these people for a that has bucks. that has to be off. I mean, no. yeah. I mean I mean I, I believe he got four million, but there has to be the budget has to be a little higher than that. I mean, especially like the special effects of you know the, the balcony scene. You know, when the guy falls off the building, I mean, that was very high tech. So, I mean, I can imagine how high the you know the budget is. Oh, my God. So, again, Canon movie starts because Canon had that connection with MGM who used to distribute and put out a lot of the movies. And we get, man, get the MGM lion followed by the Canon. Ah. You know, I haven't seen that in a long time. Like, you know, I, I missed that, that beginning. Uh, oh, yeah. But I'll tell you, there's one thing this canon movie does not have. I mean, it, it has canon written all over it. I mean, the way the movie is. I mean, but this is an 80s movie, and it didn't follow the rules. I know. I, okay, wrote, okay. I, I know that okay. it was the only <laughs> Death Wish that did not have any boobs. Oh, really? I was going to say, but most canon movies also have boobs. Like oh, in the eighties, so like I was—is there a reason? There's there a story for that? Is there a reason? Because they had—I mean, there's plenty of opportunities they could have. No, there were plenty. No, I I don't understand. Yeah, there was a lot. There was a party that had a lot of girls. They could have done something like there that, was boobs on the cake. Does that count? There, yeah, oh! but it was covered. No, but the, oh, they had the candles are there. Oh, yeah, it was oh. covered, so that didn't count. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so then we get. The movie, man, starts off right away. We get <laughs> Death Wish 4, Crackdown. And then the music in this movie is recycled music from other canon movies because they needed to save money. So like Bronson's 10 to Midnight, I think Invasion USA, a couple of those movies. But this movie had such Shaft vibes. The music was like very jazzy. and Yep. Well, was this, was this late 80s? 87. 87. 87. Okay. All right. So. All right. That makes sense. The one thing I, you know, the beginning of the movie, which kind of just just seemed like it took a long time, was the extremely slow pullback of the garage. Because it, it, it made it you, you see a garage scene. I'm like, all right, you know, it's zooming. It's zooming out extremely slow. At first, I didn't think it was moving, but it was moving the entire time. <laughs> and it was just a long shot. It was a very long shot. And you get the girl on the heels walking and walking and walking and walking and walking. Still walking. And, and there's no other car in this garage. Exactly. Now, it's the now morning. The that, sun is out. It, 
And knowing the history of the Death Wish series, immediately when I saw that woman, I'm like, she's she's getting raped, right? <laughs> just it, it's just like a given. I'm it's like, the formula. It happens it's in the one, formula. it happens in two, it happens in three. Uh, I'm, it's, I'm just waiting for it. Like any minute now. All right, here it comes. Wait, so so the, I, I didn't see two. So there's a rape in all all three. All three. Yeah. All three. <laughs> two, two was the the daughter again, right? The daughter got raped. Two was the daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Again, uh, did she get raped in the first one? The wife gets raped in the first one. Okay. The daughter gets. I don't remember if she was raped. Uh, but no, no, I, no. She gets beat up too. But no, the, yeah. and then the second one, the daughter gets raped. And then the daughter actually kills herself by jumping out of the window at the. Yeah. yeah. Spoiler alert. Oh, to avoid rape, she jumped out of the window, right? Yeah. Wait. No, wait, that's Death Wish Street. No, Death Wish Street, she jumps out of the window. Yes. Okay. No, no. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> So there's a, there's a lot there's a lot of recycling. So there's a lot there's obviously there's a lot of rape, and then there's a lot of like tossed like falling out of a high story building. There is. And, and a, okay, all right. So the, I, I'm assuming the script, like this, so the stories uh, part of the script, is not very long for all the death wishes because they're pretty much the same movie. Yeah, no, they are pr- <laughs> sort of the same formula. So I have a story about like the formula of these movies and how they actually came to this story in death wish four versus the other ones. But the fact that this girl gets to her car and she gets in her BMW and it doesn't start the fact that they show that it's a BMW. Is that kind of like shitty for the manufacturer <laughs> that the car won't start? And because of their faulty engine, <laughs> lady's about to get raped by these magical goons. Well, She's looking at a light, one light and there's one. Why does she have to look down to wait, turn the key? Again, this parking lot is empty it's empty so the, she would you would think she would hear people walking you know i mean you could, like you said there's one she looks down there's two and she looks at a third time and there's three she didn't hear one of them <laughs> and it like they did like it, did they plan it that way yeah they were like hey let's they were like let's try something new let's be like a circus <laughs> act or some or america's got talent I mean, let's make ourselves seem very organized it was very organized. It was. <laughs> and then they disappear. Now, she was far away from them. The car was far away from them. How'd they get that close to her without her seeing or hearing anything? Magic. Same magic the way they appeared. And the fact that she's just like, ah, let me try this car one more time. Has that really? Like, I've had crappy cars when I was younger if I turn it like seven times, I don't know if the eight times going to do anything. I'd be out running. Well, yeah. I mean, considering that she just saw these, she's the only one in the garage. She saw the three guys there at that point. The, you got to get out of there. You got to run. Yeah. Well, she was in high heels though. Take them off. Run. She, she was surrounded too. Right. She, so she looked forward. There was a guy. She looked in the rear view. There was a guy. No, no, they were all together. I, yeah, I they, could have sworn there was someone in No, the they made it seem like that. No, no, I know what you mean. She does look in the rear view. I think they check behind her and there's nothing. And then she looks forward. So there's one time she looks down to start, guy appears, then the other time she looks in the rear view. But so let me so let me ask you this. So they organized that pop-up thing, but what if she never looked down? Would it be only one guy the whole time? <laughs> <laughs> Because, like, the other guys are waiting, like, come on, we can't come out until she looks back up. <laughs> Frank, she's not looking down. Come on, make it. 
<laughs> what do we do? <laughs> She's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, you can't appear yet. <laughs> so then we get, so then obviously the, Andrew mentioned these movies, rape scene, no matter what, they always screw. Every time there's a rape scene in the movie, like just screws me up. And the guy's like beating her, punch her in the face. And I'm like, holy shit. And then the fact that the, the one thing I must say about this death wish versus all the other ones, he does have lines in the other ones. Don't get me wrong. He has a few one-liners, but this is, I don't want to put it on the same wavelength, but commando-esque. He has lines in this movie that make you just like say like, what the fuck? That, that's why I said it's like, it's like almost, it's almost like its own movie. Like you take it out of the franchise. This could have been a typical eighties action movie, one-liners and just ridiculous action. You know, the one thing we forgot to mention about these guys, by the way, is the ridiculous pantyhose that they were wearing on a face, how tight it was. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and I know that's like, we see that a lot in movies, was that really how it was in real life back then? Like, did like bad guys wear pantyhose on their face? Because it's not really hiding anything. It's, no, it's not. Like, what what is the pantyhose hiding? That, that's why I think Doug's right with the the cutting of the budget thing. You know, because <laughs> it's the most ill fitting pantyhose too, right? Yeah. Like when you do the close up on the guys, it's sort of like his nose is all squished. It's like I I don't I don't like I couldn't swing for a large like. No, but- <laughs> Okay, but even if they got a large, I mean, um, they're wearing the pantyhose. I mean, again, this is a trope you see in like a lot of movies, you know, of like like guys that are like robbing a store, and you know they're, they're trying to disguise their face. But pantyhose is see through. So what is like? What's the, I don't understand like the concept. I can understand if they were maybe wearing tights on their face, <laughs> you know, like you know dark colored tights. All right, maybe it's gonna hide a little bit more. But pantyhose is see through. Yeah, it makes no sense. Maybe they were expecting ski mask, and then, you know, Cannon came to the director and like, <laughs> it's not in the budget. So they're like, Francine, Susie, take off your pantyhose. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you can have them back oh. in five minutes. <laughs> and now it's all stretched out. And- <laughs> <laughs> so then the guy looks up and because he feels like somebody, they feel somebody walk in and Kersey somehow shows up, doesn't make any sounds, and we'll we'll know why in a second. We'll reveal that. <laughs> but the fact that the guy goes, Who the fuck are you? Death. <laughs> boom, boom. And it, it's like, whoa. The first line he says is death. One word. That's all he needed to say. William Salad must have watched that and went, Man, that MF is spitting. Look at that. <laughs> I love that he kills them all. Like Jamie said, he, he maims one just so it could start. And I do love that. Like, obviously, it kind of gets ruined in a second. But the fact that the guy's about to escape and he closes the gate, you're like, wow, this is morbid. And he shoots the guy again. And then when he goes, he goes, he kicks the guy over and it's himself. Yeah. What What was the point of that? Like, it was there. Like, I don't understand that. So he, he, see, he sees himself as a bad guy. Well, he's, he's a vigilante. He's taking. Yeah, but those guys aren't vigilantes. They're they're rapists. No, they are. But what he's doing, he's being the judge during the executioner. So maybe he does feel guilty about it. And see, see let me uh... listen. If, if that's what guilt looks like, because all he does is basically kill, maim and murder. 
tons of people. I don't think he's guilty. I don't think he feels guilty at all. That's what I was thinking about that too. When I saw that, I'm like, is he going to have like an internal conflict in this movie? Like, has he become the monster? Like the thing that he's been fighting against? And I'm like, oh, this is going to be like a really interesting take on it. And they never revisit it. Again. No, he he does more murder in this movie than any of the other <laughs> three movies. What? I don't know. Death Wish Three. We oh. have to look at the body count. I have the body count for this movie. We'll get into it later. But well, he he, he organized more murder. So you know, you add his he you add his individual murder with how he organized the other murders. You know, it's a lot. I have a lot of murder, but I think in Death Wish Three, I don't know, man. He was mowing people down like McLean in uh, the last (laughs) IR movie. (laughs) But here's the cool thing: so the guy who wrote the script, he wrote three different scripts for this movie, and again, he was he didn't like his lines in the third one, and he really wasn't happy with his lines in this movie. The the guy Gail Morgan Hickman said every day, Bronson would say, "This sucks. I don't like this line." (laughs) So. What they were going to do was going to have Jerry Nichols, who was like his love interest in the second one, which was his wife, Jill Ireland. She was battling breast cancer. So they were going to try to like almost not like forget the third one, but just go set uh, two to four, like continue that story. And then they were going to, you ready for this one? Talking about Fast Five. So they were going to have Kersey go after an international terrorist, but that was rejected because there was an upcoming canon film called wanted dead or alive that was that same movie and then the final script this one is basically the guy took the premise of yojimbo and a fistful of dollars and wrote it into like present in 80s terms so we almost got him chasing an international terrorist you know yeah no a guy that in the first movie had nickels in a friggin' sock and that was his exhilaration. And then he goes to where he is now. Well, these, these I that was part of my questions. I was going to lead into later on because I don't remember the early ones. But he was he's just a regular guy, correct? Like he doesn't have a background in. Well, you he's know. military, but he was a pacifist. He said okay, so that he, in the first movie. Okay, so he is. So the fact that he doesn't miss a shot—that's part of his military, <laughs> or just the fact that he's just really lucky. He practices a lot, I guess, because he really does not miss at all, at all. No, okay. you're right. All right. Yeah. Okay. And you know, you know, enough for nothing. The guy's making four million dollars on a small budget. He should just be happy because I'm at eight in nineteen eighty seven, I'm assuming he didn't make much, too many movies after this. Like he was probably towards the end of his career. Uh, you'd be surprised if you look at IMDb. He was one of the main canon guys. It was him and Chuck Norris yeah. that were basically carrying the torch and then obviously it transitioned to other people before the company folded. But this is like right at the where they started going downhill like around this time is when they were kind of like bleeding out money so so then we get dana baron the original audrey from national lampoon's vacation and now paul in this movie how many years removed from all the murder he did in new york city he is a hot shot it seems like he's been there for a few like well they say two years later in the movie not in linkage to like him coming out to LA. We don't know where he's living before he visited his buddy in three, but he's a big deal. He has his own architecture firm, Paul Kersey. Is that what he was in the first movie though? And like, he's always been career? an architect. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. I, I just don't, I, I just think he's kind of selfish though, because he has a history of anyone that gets near him. 
not really, you know, making it. So, I mean, at, at, he really, he should be like Superman. Like, you know, Superman knows that, listen, every time, you know, uh, you know, Lois Lane's always in trouble because, you know, they're going to go after me. Everyone that goes near him dies. All three well, movies. This, well, this one, somebody lasted oh. a very long time. <laughs> <laughs> I was blown away. But, and it wasn't ah, a lot of, it wasn't a lot of remorse. Blown away. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, <laughs> come on, come on. Was too that an soon? accident? Too soon. That was an accident. Yeah. <laughs> so then we get the the fact that his lines. I don't know what lines he had written in. Did he improvise these lines? But the fact that Erica, she is a high school kid taking you know interest in her mom's new boyfriend's business, and he she shows him these plans. Oh. She's really proud of, and he goes. Not great, but pretty damn good. <laughs> Why would he say that? That's like, it, it's, you know, he's he's almost, he's, he seems extremely grumpy and he shows no emotion in this movie. Like he's almost like Clint Eastwood in Gran Torino. He's just like an old grumpy man. 66, he's AARP. He's, he is grumpy. He is grumpy. The whole, I mean, this girl is like excited to show him something and he's like, yeah, not great. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> like, I <laughs> Oh, and so he's dating her mother, right? Yeah. Okay. What's the age difference? Oh, dude. He pull, he must be hungry like a mule. Because he, <laughs> in every movie, Deborah Raffin is hot. Correct. Every movie, he pulls these girls that are, I don't know. I don't know about Kay Lens. I think Deborah was probably younger than Kay. I don't know. Maybe they're the same age, but he could be their, he could be their dad's. I would say this one has to be almost half his age. Wow. You don't think so? I don't know. It seems or close. Right. Or close. I mean, yeah. All right. We're just curious. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then we at the arcade, we see last week's uh, guest, Tim Russ. It's one of his earlier roles as Jesse the Pusher. And how creepy is that older guy? I think his name is oh. Jojo. Jojo. Jojo Ross. Jojo, right? Jojo the drug dealer. He like pull. He's got to be like what thirty. He pulls a sixteen year old aside. Be like, yo, I got this special stuff for you. Go tell your boyfriend. You know, like what? Was that the same arcade in Karate Kid? <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that. I mean, you know, the fact that they, like you have all these young kids, and obviously you see later on how many young kids die. It's this it was kind of creepy. How like they're they're just. It's almost like they're attracting these young kids to the arcade just to sell them or, you know, drugs to, you know. Yeah, it was weird. It's a good trap, right? You go to an arcade, that's where they're going to be at? I guess. But, but wouldn't somebody that works there be like, hey, there's some really old guys like walking around here. Maybe the old guy works there. Maybe maybe he also works there. Ooh. He could be the owner. He, he set it up. He sets up shop and, you know, he's running his business in, in the back. Well, I mean, we, we do learn later in the movie that these, I mean, these drug cartels are, you know, they're deep. They're deeply involved in printing. I mean, they've got the cops. They've got, they've got, they're pretty. So, I mean, operating of an arcade is probably small potatoes for them. Oh, yeah, it's probably, it's probably very easy to get, the, you know, an arcade owner onto your side. Yeah. <laughs> Here's $10. Okay, great. I'm money this week. Not taking quarters out of a machine. So, so then we get. We cut to Paul and Karen. They're getting ready to go to the movie. And uh, she she wants to talk about a commitment because they've been together two years. And 
he totally brushes it off and he goes, come on, we're going to miss the beginning of the movie. <laughs> well, I, th- I think he thinks that if he gets any closer, something's going to happen. So he's trying well, to hold off. It's not like anybody's ever coming after him. And that's the thing that's weird. Like Superman, you mentioned, it's like people want to kill Superman. Right. They want right. to take over. He's just a freaking architect that just happens to be in the wrong place at the wrong time, you know? Well, is he in the wrong place at the wrong time? Because, you know, he gets hired as if he's like a professional, well, you know, I mean. I so, know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he puts you know. himself in the wrong place. Yeah, yeah. He, <laughs> he definitely does. So then they get the phone call. They call about Erica overdosing. Man, and this this next scene is really rough. And I don't know if you guys noticed, but the doctor kind of looked like a dollar store Howie Mandel. The guy looked like Howie Mandel, <laughs> peak 80s stand-up. And I love how it's like she overdosed, but but she's I think I don't know if he said stable, but in a second it goes from zero to sixty. They're like Doctor, we have a coat. He goes into the room. She's dead in seconds. He had, first of all, he had no bedside manner at all. Like the way he like was telling the mom, he's like, you know, like it, like it was just thrown in her face, and then they made her watch what was going on, which was tough. Yeah, like you're watching. Uh, yeah, I know, I know. Like you think there would be a they would close a curtain or something like that, you know, like while they're trying to you know bring her back. No, let let her watch her die right in front of her. And I wouldn't Paul, go to that hospital. I would never go to no. I write a really. I give it one star and Yelp. They made me watch my daughter die, and he had bad bedside manner. He said, "Oh, she's gonna be fine." And then and he looked like an '80s comedian. I don't even think he worked there. Then he put a rubber glove on his head and passed out. <laughs> so then we like right away. You guys know our action, uh, our Bronson expert. You know something's gonna happen right away. But isn't it funny? Like people are watching this. We'll see the backgrounds, but if you're not, Andrew has be- behind him. It says "Drugs are bad." Okay, with Charles Bronson's face on Mr. Mackey, and that's like the thing about this movie. Right away, he talks about Erica's boyfriend, which I forgot his name. But did he do drugs? And he just like right away, he's like, "I'm gonna tell this guy." That's all he's thinking about this whole time. Where would he find him? He wasn't at the hospital. Oh, no. Well, this is the next day. This is after the funeral. Okay. okay. Uh, even so, how would he know where this kid is to tell him? It's Charles Bronson. He goes to the high school and he says he he uses the same fake name way too many times. And he's, a- again, he's able to get really undercover anywhere. He's pretty good. No, he is. But again, you know, like they barely know this kid because he even says to the, the mom, like, do you trust this kid or something like she likes like. So they don't know him. So I doubt he would know where this kid is to tell him. And Chuck's there. He follows him to back to the arcade. He's he's waiting behind him. He goes. The boyfriend goes up to Jojo, starts arguing with him. And he goes, I'm going to go to the cops, man. I'm going to go right to the freaking cops. And then, boom, sticks him right in the chest. He's dead and then chuck comes out of nowhere and just dude that whole thing's amazing and the fact that again he's 66 and again isn't that even weirder you have the obviously tim russ's character and jojo who are in their clearly i don't know mid-20s late 20s and an arcade with like teenagers but you have a man that's 66 (laughs) just walking around i don't think he's waiting in line for dance dance revolution walking around with a gun and he's walking around with a gun right (laughs) 
He walks around with a gun throughout this whole movie and no one notices or says a thing. (laughs) And some of the guns are pretty big. (laughs) Oh, the end scene in the movie. Yeah, it's unbelievable. No one says anything. Walk right past them. Like, oh, it's probably one of the arcade game guns. (laughs) (laughs) But but when he shoots him, when the guy, I don't know where, where was that guy going? Whenever you see movies, when guys went to the roof, he was climbing a roof, wasn't he? He was already on the roof, and then he was he was on the edge. Was he ready to jump? Because then he got shot and took a swan dive right onto the go uh, onto the bumper cars. Oh yeah, That's, uh, you know what? It, you're right. It happens in movies all the time. Why do guys go to the edge? If I'm going to get shot, I'm not going to stand by the edge because if I get shot, I'm going to fall off the edge. <laughs> that was a really cool death, though. That that was probably I'm going to say that was probably. The top two deaths. Do you think he, di- he died from the gun or being electrocuted from the bumper cars? Oh, I, we'd have to wait for the aut- autopsy. But I mean, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It, it looked like that electricity because he was still moving when he was on top. Like, I think he might have survived if that wasn't, you know, pulsing. Now, the, but did they shut the ride down or were they still going at that time? Because it looked like they were still, you know, driving around. It was almost like a like a Jim Ross moment. Oh God! Stop the damn match! You know, it almost yeah. seemed like that. Like the 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 game or the uh, the operator was just screaming to get you turn it off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the detectives, I gotta say, the the part wow. I really love about this movie are is the you don't like the two detectives. You don't like Rainier and no, Nozaki? not at all. They they they're so he's so like not what. His partner should be like he seemed like he had no clue what he was doing. <laughs> Rainier or Nozaki? Well, first of all, both of them, I think. But I think they look like they couldn't be more of an odd couple uh, <laughs> partner duo. I, they, they just they, they didn't gel. Like it was it was just they, they didn't seem like real cops. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he gets knocked out one punch later on, you know. So you know they they don't seem like I don't know. I didn't like them. You like them. Of course you like them. That's a Bronson punch, man. That's a Paul Kersey punch. <laughs> what would you like about them? Uh, I, I like their ban- banter. I think it's always cool in these movies when, like the first one, like every one of these movies, somebody is always close to figuring out who it is. Like in the first one, it's that guy who's been in a million things from like the 60s and 70s, the heavy set detective. But no, again, there's a lot of great twists in this movie. Okay, but wait. So you said that you know you always have someone that's that's you know close to solving something. Now this is the fourth movie, so I'm assuming Paul Kersey's name and face has been out there in the news at some point in the last ten years. Considering he's no. never been caught, the, the cops always knew it was him. Didn't they, they know they let him? They let him slide. They throw it out. Ed Louder in the last one. Him and Ed Louder were gunning people down. Like, like with that awesome music playing, and they were just shooting everybody. Alex Winter. So you're telling me he's never been in the news ever in three movies? Maybe for being the best architect of uh, Orange County. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if if you add up the people he killed in the first three movies, he's a mass murderer. (laughs) He is. He's he's beyond vigilante at this point. He tops Jason Voorhees. I know they always say Jason Voorhees has the most, which I don't know if that's 100% accurate, but man, these death wish out of these five movies, he kills a lot of people. He does. And uh, you know what? Listen, he kills a lot of people that may not be as bad as the main villains. 
you know, they might be like this little side gang member or something like that. You know, like maybe they, the most they ever did was steal, you know, gum out of a convenience store. <laughs> like he really, I, I really like, I'm starting to think now the more we talk about it, he's a pretty bad guy. And he believes everything. So this is when he gets home. He's, I guess, maybe excited after, you know, murdering this guy and he gets an envelope at the door. He barely has a chance to open it, which we know how they figure it out. But how he knows that he opened it. He gets a phone call and he goes, I know who you are. There's a limo outside. Come, What would you do? I, I don't know if I would believe somebody like that. Well, he, he said he had some proof that who he is, what oh, he, he did. did in the envelope. Oh, no. Did the envelope have any proof? No, no. It? He, no, it was he just said on the phone, he gave him a hint on the phone or something. I know where you were last night or something like that. Oh, yeah. That's so, what he, it was, yeah. so he gave him some little hint. He goes, now, do you believe me or something like that? So he gave him enough clues to say, listen, I know what you did. Get in the car. And this is John P. Ryan. Pretty awesome actor. Another canon guy. Worked in a ton of stuff. He was in Avenging Force. He was the warden in the, of the prison in Eric Roberts, John Voight, Runaway Train. So, dude, this guy's been in so much. And yes. However, I feel like his accent was going in and out throughout this movie. Mr. Kiss. Spent <laughs> a small fortune buying information on the major drug dealers in Los Angeles. That's all he kept saying. Kissy. He looked like Kirk Douglas. <laughs> oh, he does have that vibe. Yeah. Does and then at one point when he was really mad, he reminded me of Will Forte. Oh, dude! <laughs> dude. At the at, at the end of the movie. All right, all right. Wait, that is. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that. But what, dude? That is something. <laughs> but the fact that he's using, he's going to be getting him because both they have a connection. You know, Paul's you know surrogate, you know girlfriend's daughter ODs, Nathan White's. Son, I've OD'd or his daughter OD'd too. His daughter, so his daughter. daughter. Yeah. So they had a. But see, this is where I have this is like where I have a big problem. So this guy is hiring him to go after these drug cartels, and he's obviously you know uh, got money because he so he lives in a mansion, you know. But that's the best he can come up with was a vigilante. Like he couldn't like you know like I mean, of all people, why why Paul Kersey? Uh, uh, Liam Neeson was booked. <laughs> I guess because he has that connection, and maybe he feels like emotionally he'll do it without asking any questions. Because all he really says is, "Give me a few days." And, oh, and so maybe I missed it. How does he know that Kersey was the vigilante? Maybe with his connections and all of his money. Maybe he. Oh, so, so they so they never explained that. No. That's one, one, uh, one hole in this plot. Okay. Okay. Oh, okay. One hole. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, you know what? We don't know who Jesse was actually working for, right? Like that's never, never really like we are, we assume he's with, you know, Jojo, but we never know who his, well, no, you know, they the, were working, is he working for, for the Romero's. Is he working for, they, they were working for what's the other guy's name? Not the Romero's. He was working for Ed. the Italian guy, Zacharias. But was he? But, yeah, but I don't think I don't think it mattered which one because the, the the plan was to you know have them go against each other anyway. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I know that, but no, I but, thought but Jesse that too. could have been the informant, right? Like Jesse could, like when when he saw Kersey because he had had this, he Kersey, like he could have told uh, what's his name? Oh yeah, that's oh, true. Oh, 
Oh, I see. So you're trying to find a connection that way. Yeah. I don't know. I'm going to be going down a rabbit hole. Oh, wait. That's the guy that, that when they interviewed him, the guy, the the blonde hair guy, he's the one that saw everything. So maybe one of their drug dealers or he, oh, he, yeah, he yeah, obviously yeah. looked like he used drugs. Yeah. He, yeah, yeah. So the, he also, yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. We didn't get there yet. All right. <laughs> so then this is where the first time I'm like, man, this is an anti-drug PSA because Karen's like crying and Paul says, it's not your fault. It's the drug dealers. So like, there's so much that goes back to that, like that whole time. And then, so Doug, Doug, yeah. not, so this is, this is 1987, right? So 19, yes. I, I, like, I was really like interested, like what's the focus on the, the cocaine and the drugs here? So uh, 1986, this was the Reagan, this was when the Reagan really started his war on drugs. So like 1986, they passed the anti-drug abuse act. Uh, they, they put 1.7 billion towards the war on drugs. Uh, they started all like the, you know, the mandatory minimum sentences. So, I mean, Part of that probably funded this film, you know, right? Like, so clearly you're not only our action expert, you're our drug expert. I, I, you know what? I, I had to Google because I'm not, I mean, I'm not from the streets. I had to Google the difference (laughs) between crack cocaine uh, and, and, you know, regular cocaine. So I, like, I, like when the doctor said she overdosed on from smoking cocaine, I was like, is that possible? Then I was like, oh, okay. I Googled it and it's like, all right, it's possible. Like now I know the ins and outs. You did your so, research. I did. Yes. Okay. Oh, that's beautiful. That's amazing. <laughs> and the fact that you said, you said $1.7 million. $1.7 billion. Okay, good. Cause billion. when you, I thought you said million. I'm like, you're telling me that they put less than half of what <laughs> Freaking Bronson made on this movie. <laughs> oh god, that's mm. amazing. So then Karen is she works for like the I don't think is it like the LA Tribune? It's not like the real name of the LA paper, right? And she wants to do an article on drug dealers, and I love that. Which I don't think I don't think they would ever allow. If no. she, she's that close to the the case, they would never allow that. And it, again, this was in another movie. I forgot. But it was like an Austin Powers with Will Ferrell. She she asked him three times and he finally gave in. Yeah, <laughs> there wasn't a lot of twisting. There wasn't arm twisting at all. Ugh. And then the fact that the next thing that she does is she has to go to a morgue and we see it's a bunch of dead kids and the and the detail that the guy goes into. I don't know. I I I'm not a morgue worker. Usually, more this is the nicest morgue worker in movie history. I don't think they would allow just anyone, you know, to go down there and look at all these dead bodies. First of all, you know, I don't think they would allow that, you know, and and wouldn't you think some of it is part of evidence, you know, how they died or, you know, like, I don't know if they did any autopsies or anything, but I don't think they just allow anyone into morgues. No. And usually Morgan plays are they're not dressed up like that. They're usually really creepy. And oh, it was a very clean morgue. The floors look very clean. It was a very clean morgue. <laughs> and just the fact that he knew everything about each one. And I'm not saying they wouldn't know that. I would think they just know the body, but he knew the backstory on each one, like a little blurb, like it was like, I don't know, The Bachelor. And it's like, here, let me tell you a little something about him. Because the one, she, she he goes, she's 14 year old. She was a prostitute and a regular customer slit her throat. And I'm like, Oh my God. He knows a lot of detail. Like you would think like, he only, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. And how did he know which bodies were under which sheet? Cause there was no labels or anything. <laughs> he, 
He lifts him up. He's like, this is for no, not oh, Frank. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> that intern didn't put the toe tags on. <laughs> That's why I think part of that 1.7 billion really went to this movie. Because like that was just like like going body to body. It's like yeah. this is why you shouldn't do drugs. This is why you shouldn't do drugs. This is <laughs> like it, it none of it mattered in the rest of the movie. After that scene, it was just like this is almost like a PSA. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, it's definitely the start of like a whole different movie now, you know. But th- you missed one thing. And we talked about Bronson's, you know, not showing emotion and how he's so grumpy. So you missed the funeral of the daughter, right? We didn't talk about that. You know, oh, a little much- bit, yeah. Okay. So not much really happened. But what he said to her, so she started like getting upset again about, I can't believe this happened, you know, my daughter and all that. And he's and he said, now this is the day of the funeral. He says, you have to stop this now. <laughs> he says that to her. Like, I mean, the day of the funeral. Like, you know, like, all right, she's dead, move on. And clearly, we know later on he, he's able to move on from death real quick. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> he walks right past it. He <laughs> walks right past it. <laughs> oh my god. So then Karen, right after the scene, she meets up with Jesse, she gets some information and did you think that that was in the movie that Tim Ross almost got hit by that car? Because that was really close. <laughs> he like jumped up in the air and skirted. it. It wasn't like the usual, like I'm going to play on my feet. The car's going to stop here. He like jumped over a little bit and continued it. So you, you think that's like a, just a random car that was driving through. It could be, it could be like the, the one in uh God, what's the dog day afternoon. Is that it? Oh, no, 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 I know you're coming. No, 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 no. It's, it's, um, it's, uh, Urban, Ca- no, Urban Cowboy, or it's with John Voight, the one with Dustin Mid- Hoffman and John Midnight Voight. Ca- Midnight Cowboy. Midnight Cowboy. Yeah. yeah, the, yeah. Co- the, the cab hits him and yeah. he says, I'm walking here. And that was all ad libbed. Yeah, it's yep. amazing. But no, it almost looked like he was about to get whacked by the car. But, and then he had a great line. He had some good one liners in this scene, even when he was like, smoothly trying to sell her the drugs before he found out that she wanted information that she worked for the newspaper and he yells at the car brakes on the left <laughs> Love that. Oh, maybe that made it's a new driver yeah maybe it was a student driver on the top of it and he was like oh it's fine brakes on the left they're going to the arcade you know a bunch of kids yeah there. jamie mentioned this a few uh seconds ago this is like a different movie from here because this is when Paul goes back to me with Nathan White and he says yes. And well, hold on, hold on. Where did they meet? In the movie theater, right? This is in the movie theater one, right? Oh, so okay. That's later. Okay, okay, later. okay. Yeah. All right. I had a question about that one. Okay. All right. And I have an answer. I'm going to tell you I have an answer for that one. And I think I know what your <laughs> question is going to be. But yeah, so then he gives him a folder with all this info and then we have the whole story about Zacharias and I love the that Paul says I want to handle it my way, but I need weapons. And he goes, "Here, call this guy. Who the frig's that guy?" And we didn't. Even <laughs> see, maybe they cut that scene out, but the fact that he gives him a guy's number, who's that guy? That he, I don't, I don't understand that whole. Well, he is. I mean, spoiler alert: what his what he does for a no, living. So don't, I'm assuming. Don't spoil. No I'm not saying it. Yeah. I know. I'm not. I'm just saying. So I'm based on what he does for a living. I'm sure he has a guy. I know. I get that. But at this point, I'm just like, and this rich guy knows a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of seedy people. The fact that he's able definitely to definitely loves that. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, and then he has some the, like the John, you know, the James Bond esque weapons and stuff, right? Like he is not giving him his normal, you know, rifle and stuff. He's getting some cool shit. See, I I thought he made some of that himself. I was like, where did he get that bottle from? <laughs> like, I mean, like it's so ridiculous. Like, you know, like, but I guess I guess the guy has all that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, he, some of it is high tech. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what's really funny too? I just thought about this was the fact that this is where Nozaki, and this is where I was talking about the two years before the time frame. So this was where Nozaki mentions the same bullet that they pulled out of Jojo was the same one from a vigilante kill from like a few years back. Yeah, but. Is that possible? Because he just got new guns from the guy. Ooh, uh, no, the first no, the first kill. No, the first kill, kill was Paul's gun. Yeah, right. That's what I'm saying. Oh, you you're talking about? Okay, I got you. Yeah. Oh, from, okay. From... See, this is why you're, you're the action expert. <laughs> he is our action expert. <laughs> but that means so that means he's held on to that gun from for three movies, right? Because he isn't killed in L.A. since the first one. Right, I guess storyline wise, because if this is 87, 85 is when he's only visiting his buddy in New York, so okay. it's two years. So I don't know, he's been okay. dating Karen for oh. two years, true. But the, but just the fact that, yeah, so it's the same bullet from two years ago. So trying to figure it out. Oh, and that's where the that's where the punk was, right? He said, I saw the plate. It was a correct. Tornado. So they, and he only had the last three digits, yeah, or something like that of the plate. That was him. Okay, I was trying to figure out where he was from, but you're right. So then I love that the cops right away. There's only nine tor- blue tornados in L.A., and the first one they choose is Paul Kersey. And I love that the balls that Paul Kersey has are massive. Because he doesn't make eye contact with the cops until the end of the scene. Wait, this, this where, where 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 were they meeting? Where the they cops see him? went his, into the his, his office. His job. Oh, that's right. Okay, you're right. And he and he starts doing work like right in front of them. Right? Doesn't he? It's like the most suspicious. Oh, hundred percent. Like like it's like like plain to see that he's avoiding them the whole time. He's a, but but he's very calm. Mm. You know, he, he looks so suspicious by not even like looking at them, mm. but he's very calm in what he's doing. He's always he's always calm and cool. And then even the fact that this dick cop, when Rainier goes, he asks about what it where it was the, the night of that murder. He's like, I was home, I was by myself. And he's like, oh, what the hell did he say? How did he even get to the wife and kid? Oh, he asked about if he had a wife and kid, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. He died, and he goes in a car accident. <laughs> Why would he assume it's a car accident? Not even being remorseful about it either. Just like, oh, so I, like he wants details, and that was <laughs> it. And then once he said no, he like what well, left? Maybe he was thinking about Deborah Raffin from the last one because she died in a car accident. <laughs> she had pushed down a hill. She had knocked out, pushed down a hill, and the car exploded. Like it had like jet fuel in it i don't remember was, was he a little remorseful in that one for like five seconds right five yeah it wasn't very long oh and then he got pretty angry and then that was where it turned that's where he that's got where all it the turned. and everything okay 
All right. That was the only one he cared about. I was. I think. I just think later on he's like, I just can't deal with this anymore. You know, he's just so used to it. He's just like numb to it at this point. Yeah. <laughs> so then we get Zacharias. Zacharias's party at his house. Wait, is is Zacharias Italian? I mean, they're playing him like he's the Italian kind of cartel or something. I thought that was Greek, right? I mean, you thought he was Greek. I mean, it sounds Greek, but he looks kind of Italian. He acted kind of Italian. Maybe he's half and half. Zacharias really isn't an Italian name, I guess. All right. So, so it was Perry Lopez was the actor, and he's Puerto Rican. I, but yeah, I totally got the Italian vibe from yeah. That's what they really they really built it up to be like mafioso. Hundred percent. Yeah. And his gang was just full of like, oh my god. We'll get to it, one of the guys. Well, the there's there's only apparently there's only about six members of each gang. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, until later, then we see the other underlings that we've yeah, later oh. there's a lot more than that. Uh, there wasn't that many, there's only three cars full. Three like limos full. They were all limos. Yeah, but yeah, but when they were standing out there, there's only maybe ten, maybe. Yeah, but I'm saying, but during these scenes, we only like actually like see a few, like three or four. Yeah, right. And the cake was we talked about it before. The cake that was a naked woman, and he he wowed the crowd. You can tell when the guy who's like a boss at a company or like the boss of a gang in this case is so. His employees are so scared of him. The fact that they oh, yeah. were so excited that he put a freaking candle flame out in his mouth. Like he cured, cured cancer. They're like, yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't matter what he did. They're going to cheer no matter what. And guess who's at this party? Paul. Okay. Okay. So clearly this is a big cartel or... So, you know, they have tons of money, you know, they would have, they would have bodyguards everywhere. They would have, they would probably, if they're having a party, I would assume they would meet every single person that's working there. That's going to be working the party. And somehow he slips right through and gets a job (laughs) at the party. They had to delete the scene where, when he went to the the employment agency. During the interview process. (laughs) (laughs) It took three weeks. He had to go for three different interviews, pass a drug test, the physical. <laughs> but just the fact that this guy that nobody knows, because usually those people, it's usually like a group that works these parties. Of course. The fact that he's just like, I'm going to go get ice. <laughs> so basically, so basically any like in that case, and being a cartel, you're always scared that someone's going to be there trying to get you. Yeah. Anyone could get there walking with a gun and no one would know because they don't check anybody. Exactly. Okay. Well, do you think they checked him because later he didn't have anything on him? Maybe he just well, you don't know where, felt you don't know where he was hiding it. <laughs> That's <is> true. <laughs> so then we get the Romero gang shows up to show like some sort of peace. Did you notice someone in the gang? I didn't. Did not. Is that John Favreau? Was is that John Favreau? <laughs> That's what the big, big mountain guy looked like. John oh, Palmer. he kind of looked like him a little bit. No, but uh, a guy who's been a frequent for us. He was in, well, just one movie, but Tom Everett. He plays the creepy. Oh, yes. Guy. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I didn't, I didn't realize. Yeah. Yes. I recognized him. Just a, he, he's, yeah. he's in tons of movies. 
He's in a ton of movies, but I'm saying that we covered. It's funny that. Oh, yeah, always, yeah, yeah. He's kind of typecast around this time of his career. We'll talk about how type later. But so Paul gets in <laughs> there, and as soon as he gets into the room, he does the wiretap, and the gang show up into the room. So his first thing was, let me go in the bathroom. Wait, so I never wiretapped anything, but who taught him how to do that? I mean, I, I don't know if you went to someone's house, like, do you just stick it in there? Do you have to like touch wires to it? Like, I don't know how that works. It's a great he question. seems to know exactly what to do. And he does it very quick. And I mean, phones back then, I don't remember them really unscrewing that like, like that, like, you know, <laughs> you know, I, mean, I just, I just, where'd he learn that? I don't know, but he does it multiple times really quick. He's just multiple like, shh, shh, shh. super quick. Yeah. And it seemed like he just dropped yes, some kind of thing the in there. Unless it just records from there. If it's just really just a recorder that records. But how could you hear both sides of the conversation from down there? Correct. Because the receiver's Correct. on top. Now, I don't, I, don't I, I would think there's something more involved than just putting like a sticker in there and then, you know, closing it back up. Yeah. If anybody's listening, ever wiretapped a phone, of course, you probably <laughs> have to be over 50 years old. Easy. At Seagulls only on Twitter and Facebook. And <laughs> okay, so let us know. He, so he's clearly good with weapons somehow and, and wiretapping. But when he, he he's not a good eavesdropper. I have to be honest. He's terrible. Because the door is like almost all the way open while they're in the same room where he is. He literally has the door wide open with his face sticking out. <laughs> he's Twice. Good, he does it later in the movie, too. He's not a good piece. He's not a good piece. He's not, he's not a good peeper. He should have dropped trial and just like sat on the toilet. That would have been like the most convincing, you know, alibi ever when they open the door and he's just like, ah, you know, I mean, they would have just been like, all right, let's just let's, let's let him finish up. You, know? you sound like a professional peeper. Because <laughs> that that sounds like it would work. Yeah. Even if you're even if you're outside, if you're peeping at someone's window, just drop. Sorry, I'm just going to the bathroom. <laughs> You want some toilet paper or newspaper? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to call the cops on you, but clearly you're going to the bathroom. That's right. <laughs> I love the Vincent guy that shows up. So they're having like this little talk between the, you know, the two gangs and this Vincent guy who I guess you can guess he's not going to hang around long. The fact that he's like, Vincent, like talking almost like he's like a, a little kid. And he's like, Vincent, how is Brazil? He's like, Oh, Brazil, the girl's tits are up to you. He's, talk- he's that guy that you see like in, that that is just annoying to like the head cartel or head yes. family. Like he's just like you can't you know, he's going to spill his gut somewhere. He's going to do something that is going to go, you know, just annoying. And that, yeah, you, you knew right away. This is not going to last long. Andrew, did you catch that one? He just said spill his guts. Oh, oh, that's a that that's too soon. That- uh, you, you know, you know what the so this is the weird thing about these villains, right? Like they're not particularly villainous, um, except for when he offs villain uh, offs Vincent. But even then, like I'm really questioning it. Like so, he, that's his employee. He's been skimming off the top. You know, maybe he's docked his pay already. Maybe this is his third strike, and he's like, "All right, I just gotta, you know, get him off the payroll." Um, so, you know, I didn't even think that was that bad, but um, that was really the only bad guy thing he's done in the in the whole movie. To be the head 
cartels. I mean, there's, there's two major cartels. They, they do seem a little wimpy. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, they're employing a bunch of people. We we learned about that in, in the the where the fish market later. I mean, they're <laughs> they're clearly uh, establishing a, a very strong economy in L.A. Uh, you know, they're hiring hiring these daily workers. So I don't know. You know, they might be they may not be bad such bad guys. So they're like an employee employment agent. <laughs> I, I, you know, Kersey's yeah. the monster. Kersey's the monster in this one. Oh, he's he's definitely the monster in this movie. He's and definitely the, raised the unemployment rate in L.A. Uh, like, well, think tenfold. about this. They had peace. These two cartels had peace. They were friends. You know, every, everybody was getting along. Everybody was making money. And Kersey destroyed all that. It is true. That is 100%. Drugs are bad. Drugs are bad. And the fact that as soon as the guy gets stuck with the ice pick in the chest, and then he falls to the ground, and then Kersey slams the door. For a guy that has killed over a hundred people easy in this franchise, the fact that he gets like, oh shit, blood ugh, and slams the door <laughs> loud. And then they're like, who the fuck's in there? Wait, you thought he was grossed out? Why did he slam the door? Why was it open in the first place? You're going to well, tell I me. Know, that's what I mean. So if it's open, why close it now? Yeah. He should have had like a cup against the door and just listen. <laughs> That would have been very exciting. Just he's on this side, just listening the whole time. <laughs> what are you doing? He, I love this scene. He's like, what are you doing here? I was just using the toilet. Step out here. <clears throat> What's your name? My name is Leo. <laughs> Leo. Leo. Oh, I mean, not for nothing, though. It's kind of a dumb question for him to ask him because... He's in the bathroom. What else are you going to be doing in there? Eavesdropping. Oh, okay. Poorly. <laughs> but I, lo- I love that to try to get, I, that's what I understand. If their whole thing was this guy saw what happened, we're going to murder him. Just murder him then. When there's I said the guys, same thing. Why would they go, Leo, you seem like a very smart man. If you get a lot of money in it for you, wouldn't at this point be like, well, how much money? They just they just killed Vincent. So why why waste time with him? Like Vincent was is a somebody. Kersey's a nobody. Why did they have to drag that? First of all, they do that throughout the whole movie. I mean, there's plenty of times they could have killed him, but they give him enough time to do Kersey things. They're probably like Leo, this old guy. He's a bartender. He probably just he's old. That's what he should have done, right? Open the door, and they're like, "What are you doing here?" He's like. Honey, where are you? And he just pretended he had dementia. <laughs> or just sta- stand over the toilet and say, listen, it takes a little while for me to get started. <laughs> but so then they go, hey, help him carry this body to the car. There's money in it for you. Dude, this scene, this guy was, why'd they send that guy out? He seemed like the out of shape henchman. He, not only did he seem out of shape, but he also gave away what he was going to do by looking yeah. at the head of the family and give him like the nod. So if he didn't do that, Kersey wouldn't have uh, known what was going on. And he wouldn't have uh, easily just, he didn't kill him. Yeah, he did. He slammed his head in the car door. He, I mean, he had, the, he had the crowbar. Yeah. He had the crowbar and the hood of the car. The, trunk <laughs> the, crowbar, the that- crowbar that weighed probably like 
an ounce. It was probably made out of plastic the way he easily reached it. Why would the guy let him reach into the trunk? They're dropping a body in. How long did that guy take to get his gun ready to kill him? I mean, literally, <laughs> again, you're, I mean, like, why? This is a no, this is, a, this is, in their eyes, he's a bartender or a waiter. Really? Like, you need to do this whole elaborate thing to kill him? Well, this is bad guy 101. Just kill the frigging guy when you have the chance. Let him carry the body or maybe, why, why does he have to carry the body? Just tell him to, hey, can you do me a favor, buddy? Okay, at least give her to this ice pick. Walk to the garbage can. While he's walking to the garbage can, shoot him in the back of the head. And, and, and what makes it worse is the fact that he just killed Vincent right in front of everybody. So why would that make a big deal? Why couldn't he just kill Kersey right there? Like exactly. that, that makes everything. Yeah. How about the way he runs away? <laughs> he runs well, away. That, that was running? <laughs> I know, but he was like really low. <laughs> So now it is. You guys ready? This is it. Oh. Best scene in the movie. I can't stop looking at that picture. <laughs> All right. So we get a scene where they do another voiceover. They say the Romero's number one and number two hitmen. They always go to this Italian restaurant on sunset. So he's sitting in the car and he's flipping a switch on the bottle of a bottle of wine and putting a label on it. He couldn't do, was he in that much of a rush? He couldn't have done this, <laughs> not outside of the place where he's going to commit this crime. What couldn't have been done? Whoever gave him the bottle couldn't have already, already have it in there. Like, why did he have to put it together? Maybe yeah, Nathan... I didn't understand the label. Why did he have to label his own wine? Like, I, why wasn't <laughs> that part of the original assembly? And is, is that something that really happens? Like while dinner's going on, like, they, they go to a bartender who has has doesn't own the restaurant, so it would have nothing to, to do about a wine cellar coming in there. Now, maybe he had alternative labels. Maybe if he was going to like a Puerto Rican bar, he might have had like a rum label. You know, what I mean, like <laughs> th- there might have been alternative labels for different situations. Yeah, but he but, but he already knew that it's a, he's going to an Italian restaurant. <laughs> We always prepared. The guy who gave maybe he just picked it up five minutes before. Nathan White's guy was getting an argument with his wife, so he had to drop off the thing. He's like, Do you put the label on? He's like, That's what you do. You didn't pay me to put the label on. But no, Jamie, to answer your question, they do do that. I know it sounds really hokey, okay. but some bars for some reason, they do that. They'll have like a beer cellar, like with a craft beer, like some, I don't know why they do it. Because even this guy, when he drinks the wine, he while he walks in, he goes, name's Jack Kimball. And he goes, I got this wine from Napa Valley. You ever been up to Napa Valley? And he's like, yeah, no. Which, again, it's not that far. And he's like, beautiful place. And the guy takes a sip and he doesn't like it. He really doesn't like this wine. Well, I mean, considering it's, it's I mean, who, who knows what kind of wine it was. But the fact that he's going into a restaurant where there's only three people in the entire restaurant. <laughs> so how, what kind of selling is he going to do anyway? That is a really great point. There's really, <laughs> there, there's one table being used and the bartender who doesn't own the place. <laughs> I love that. We see Danny. So Dan, a young Danny. Oh, Trail young Danny. Oh man. With clearly a wig, right? He's wearing a wig, right? <laughs> His hair yes. was too perfect. He, he, I gotta tell you, he, I thought he looked good. 
I mean, oh, he because, looked because, great and his lines were great. This is probably the most lines he had up to this point. Oh, yeah. But I'm just saying, like, he looked good because, you know, he got a little weathered later on in life. You know, <laughs> so I think he looked pretty good here. You know, I wonder if this was before his um, his extracurricular activities. What do you mean extracurricular activities? Like going to prison and stuff? He was in prison for a while. Oh, that was way before this. Oh, it was. Oh, that was like when he was like 16 until 28, and then he got like fully sober. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. All right. right. I take it back. (laughs) You take it back. (laughs) (laughs) But this scene is just... The fact that, again, I mentioned before, the fact that the bartender was clearly not liking it, and he goes, well, what about your customers? Wouldn't they go? I know he kind of says they don't want to be bothered, but like the. He didn't put much of an effort. I would, I would say that if, if this was like for real, that bartender would be probably dead. If like he, if they allow, like he allowed them to go disturb their table. Exactly. Like, you know, yeah. they, I'm sure they got strict instructions. We don't want to be bothered at all while we're sitting down here. And it doesn't take much for Kirsty to say, okay, I'm going to go bring it over there. <laughs> oh my God. This whole freaking scene. The fact that Danny Trejo, which they didn't even mention anything about it. He swears he knows Jack Kimball. Yep. Yep. From Boise. Are you from Boise? Oh, San Francisco. Remember he said, he was like, I, I've seen you. He said, definitely said San Francisco. One of the so guys said San Francisco. No, is there's there a backstory? Oh, maybe. And that's what made me question it. I'm like, wait, was Danny Trejo like in the background of like Death Wish 3? Like, where, like one of the gang members, right? Like, yeah, I was trying to like really like dig into it. Like, damn, where the fuck did we see Trejo before? No, maybe, he's, maybe he's also an architect. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that. Because why else would he know him? Like, why? Like, if, if you tell me the cops and news don't know who Kersey is, I doubt Danny Trejo knows him. Yeah. And just this whole scene, I, this has got to be. Oh, oh, here we go. So the fact that in this part, he keeps saying like, oh, you know what? Gentlemen, it's your lucky day today. Bottle of wine on the house. Hey, not bad. Hey, don't I know you from someplace? I don't think so. Yeah. I know your face. Did you ever live in San Francisco? I'm from Idaho. Hey, I got a brother in Idaho. What city? Boise. And his out is to throw the water, a, a water. in front of and boom. <laughs> I I did not notice that the first time I saw this. So I'm so glad you, you showed us again. That is amazing. That is, is the most unbelievable thing I think I've ever seen in a movie. <laughs> For those of you listening, it might be the the worst dummies <laughs> I've seen taking the place of Danny Trejo and the other guy. I clearly <laughs> like wax. <laughs> I mean, they didn't try to hide it. Can I tell you something? It's almost like a kid that did a project. Oh, he took time on the guy on the right. I'm not yep. saying the guy on the right's great, but <laughs> it's so much better than on the- <laughs> not even the same hairstyle as Danny uh, Trejo. It's like it. it, it I mean, really, yeah. It looks like he just put it together real quick, put it, stuck a mustache on, and threw like whatever wig he had. And he looks like deflated because he's like kind of sunken in. He looks so much shorter than the other guy. And the other guy's like they wrapped a beer in his hand. So you, you know what? He does look def- deflated. 
Like he looks like, you know, they probably said we got to hurry up and finish the scene because he's losing air. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> now, did you notice that the first time you saw it or? So I've seen the memes of this for, okay. for a while now, but okay. oh my God. I didn't notice it at all. It was too quick. So I, you know, Andrew, did you notice it? No, no. I, lo- I like to live in a moment and I, I, I like to believe it that it's real. <laughs> that Danny A. Trejo is actually dead. That was the worst dummies I've ever seen in a movie. That was unbelievable. And Jamie, watch, I showed her that scene, my wife, and she said, it doesn't even look like the explosion happens in that room. And at first it doesn't because it's so large. Then at the end of the scene, they show like a few things on fire at the table and the dummies. But it is like such a huge explosion. Now, again, Paul is sort of the villain in this movie. That bartender's murdered, right? I, I said, oh, I wrote that me. down. I said, that's so me. he's an innocent guy who he just murdered the bartender also because no one survived that. No, there's no Wasn't way. there a third? Wasn't there a third person at that table? There was. There was a third person, yeah. Did he? Because the third person, when you watch the beginning of that clip, looks like the guy that's with the, the guy that looks like um, Seth Rogen or whatever. The. the <laughs> Like he looked, he looked like he looked like that, that guy was there. So I wonder if he escaped. Was that because I, I wonder if he was in that scene? I don't think so because then he would know that it's Paul Kersey and they'd have like. A, oh, that's true. Okay. So yes, yeah, so Paul just murdered an innocent person. He just murdered another person. A family man. He was probably had a family and everything. And then the next one we get. So now again, this whole time we get Nathan White. Like a bunch of these scenes in a row, just to cut to the next place that he's at. And he's like explaining Max Green, which is Tom Everett, who again, creeper in Text Chainsaw Massacre 3, creeper in this. And I wrote, you know, we need a creeper call Tom. Because I swear, if we look at his IMDb, there's probably other movies around this time. But in this one, it just seems like it's a movie store. Yeah, video store. Yep. But it's a bunch of creepy things about uh, girls. And Paul just fitting to this, the whole point of this movie anti-drug he takes the drug drugs and he throws it at him now and also i mean you you i think you and i've seen a lot of movies with drugs and everything else a lot of times the the people that are packing it and all that they're innocent people they just like you know they're like they're they're not killers they don't you know like he basically killed more murdered more people here that might be innocent they had guns ready to go so so well i'm sure when you're in the the drug industry there's always guns laying around like fire fire (laughs) extinguishers you know you got you never know when you need i just love paul when he throws it he goes how many kids have you killed and then uzi's them with a silent was another silencer on there um i don't think so because then the guys wouldn't have heard in another room right well, I, it, there, no, he it, did screw a silencer on. I he did. I, I, did. He did. I didn't know there's, you could put and a silencer on a Uzi. Silencer. I didn't know you could put a silencer on an Uzi. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> I mean, Paul Kersey can, but I didn't know if you really, you know. <laughs> and did you notice any of the posters behind it? It was like Tech Chainsaw Massacre 2 and Runaway Train were like behind the guy, which was like the canon movies. Oh, but I love right after that. The other guys right away are already down the hallway and Paul mows them down like they're nothing and just leaves. How, how did he know like they're all part of it? Like there's a video store, right? You're going to tell me no one was renting a movie this time? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you, you have to assume there had to be some customers in there. 
No, and would it, you know what's really funny? If he walked into the store, he leaves because he, he carries the gun around everywhere. He just walks past, and he's like, he walks past somebody looking at a movie. And he comes back and he goes, "Rent this one," and he hands him like Death Wish <laughs> <laughs> or another one like Ten to Midnight. That'd been really funny. <clears throat> no, oh, and how about the worker that work, the guy that worked, or the woman that works behind the desk at the movie store? She's oh the, yeah. So he he killed at at this point about five innocent people. Let's just Wait, say, did five. he kill her? He was mowing everybody down. You can't control that. <laughs> He's the villain in this movie, without a doubt. So then the next scene, another cutaway, boom, that scene's over. Let's go to the next one. And we get, can we call him not Jim Brown? <laughs> I like this guy, though. I, I, I do, too. He's- he seemed like he seemed like a badass. Yes, he looked like Jim Brown, and he seemed like a badass. Like I like, I feel like they didn't do him justice. He should have been the big bad. Like I, that, I agree, I agree. He really seemed like he was the big bad, and I think he didn't get justice. I think they could have done, you know, maybe a little cursy, like a, a bigger, a better fight, a better ending. The guy's a big guy. I mean, they said he was the top gun, didn't they? Said like he was the top gun in the gang. I think he like was he the was... enforcer of the gang. And how about again? Nathan does his little like three or four sentences about him. Did you notice the last one that he's an opera singer? <laughs> yeah, he's a baritone or something. Is that why they're they're going? Oh, so they're going to an opera? I think. Yeah. Now, see, okay, so I thought that woman that he was with was like a hooker or something, but clearly that's his girlfriend. I think. What a miserable relationship. Because he treats her like well, they treat each other like trash. Yeah. I mean, there wasn't one nice thing they said to each other the entire time. It was insult all. after insult. Yeah. Uh, I do think Kersey has the best line here. Oh, the, the best line. The best line here. <laughs> so her biggest gripe while so Kersey watches them leave, he sneaks into the apartment. And they, when they left, they shut all the lights off. Kirstie turns to Monty, goes in. So the girl, as soon as they get into the, first of all, he says, you eat like a whore. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, he said cross- horse. I thought he's, you oh, eat he like a horse. Oh, yeah, he's horse, a whore horse. because well, how like, does a whore eat? Exactly. I was like, aren't prostitutes usually no, skinny? No, you, no, no, you eat like a horse. Okay, good. So. <laughs> good that that clears that up but her biggest gripe of the opera which she already knows she's going to this she gets in the back of this really nice limo probably gonna have a nice night out she's like why can't they just sing in english (laughs) that's her whole gripe of the whole thing and then she goes you got the tickets right oh forgot the tickets well he also told her after he said you eat it like a horse he told her to lose weight Wait, you also forgot this line because she. I think she goes, "How do you? How do I look?" And he goes, "You look like shit." God, yes. <laughs> He's not a good guy. But but that's their relationship. Like, no. I there wasn't one nice thing said. In fact, she said, "I wish he was dead." <laughs> when, oh, drop drop dead. dead. Wish he would drop dead. Another one right on <laughs> you. What do you think? What do you think their wedding vows were? <laughs> you piece of shit! I love you. Well, what do you think their wedding song was? It was probably uh, what's that Guns N' Roses song? Uh, Six Feet Under, uh, oh, yeah. Lover, but I had to kill her. So then the cops are there. Uh, Rainier and uh, Nozaki are there, and they see 
They're like, hey, why is he going back into the house? Like, people forget shit. They forget keys. They forget things. In this case, tickets. So, were dude, they assuming that Kershaw's going to be there, or the vigilantes, or whatever? Like, they why had they no go idea. there? I think they sort of cleared him at that point. No, they. So they they wanted to stake him out because I think they were trying to identify targets, and they were like, oh, he's "All right, this next. guy's a top gun, okay. so like, let's stake him out." So basically, Kersey, again, who's a a regular Joe, is taking out the top people of these cartels. Yes. Oh, well, he's, he's a mercenary now. He's, he's without he's, a doubt. He's a gun for hire. He but, is. I mean, clearly, he can't be as yeah. good. I mean, if these are your top guys and they're being taken out in two seconds. What kind of? I think you're right. You know what? We'll go back to what you said before. These cartels are like, they're not that villainous. No, and and I think you're right that he's definitely a mass murderer because he's checking all the boxes. He, you know, lost his family. He he, yep. he spends all his time alone. You know, like like he checks every single box. No remorse. No emotion. No, no, no. Yeah, he doesn't give two shits about anything. Even in the scene. <laughs> He's a smart guy. Again, he's you know wiretapping, screwing everything on. And Frank comes home. He opens the door, and he knows somebody's there because the lights are on. And, dude, the friggin' line. All right, before you get to the line, so we already talked about he's not a good peeper. Clearly, he has a whole apartment he can hide in because he heard it, and he still couldn't hide. Like, there were plenty of spots he can hide, and he was like, I think he saw him in the image of the refrigerator or something like that. Like, he was... It's almost like he he hides, but you can see his shoes sticking out. (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck are you doing here? I was making a sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) I was making a sandwich. (laughs) I I you know I I don't think he I don't think he's good under pressure. Like he can have so many better one liners, you know, like you know, or I mean, just or reality have like better lines if this was like real. He just buckles on the pressure and he says whatever is the first thing on his mind. Exactly. <laughs> but they're classic. This and in Death Wish 3, when Deborah oh, Raffin's like, come, o- come over for chicken. And he goes, chicken? I like chicken. <laughs> but this one that I just <laughs> says I was making a sandwich <laughs> is amazing. And this is the rare in all of his movies, like all the Death Wish, he rarely does the hand-to-hand combat. It's like very rare. And it didn't go as long as I wanted to, but it was great to see him get his ass kicked for a little bit because you didn't know how he's gonna. It was, but they waited for him to be sixty-seven to do hand-to-hand. I mean, he made <laughs> three other movies before this. He couldn't do it early in his career. Yeah, yeah, he got tossed around a lot in this in this scene. Not one cut on him. No, he no, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. Uh, he's like Seagal. He doesn't get cut. <laughs> and then the fact that. He shoves him through the TV. And I know, obviously, TV technology has changed. But just the amount of shit inside when he throws him into that. Okay, not only that. Now, TVs back then were made so solid. Like, they're heavy. They're thick. There's no way his head is going through that <laughs> that tube. There's no way, you know. And sure enough, he, he clearly went through that like he was going through, like, a kitchen window. <laughs> and then Kersey tosses him off the balcony. He swan dives. Well, a dummy swan dives. Oh, I would say more like glides down. The dummy could <laughs> kind of. It wasn't much of. A, you know what? I wonder if it was the Danny Trejo uh, dummy. 
<laughs> paper mache and then andrew mentioned uh, you guys talked about the line that she goes i wish you would drop dead and then he lands on the hood of the car and so this is where nozaki alone by himself he sees paul kersey sneak out and you're like hmm, that's kind of weird wouldn't he alert rainier like right away that he's gonna follow him double checks it's a blue tornado he also Never held a gun before. Who Nozaki? Yes. Why? He looked awkward with it. It did. It, I I don't think he. I don't think he played a good cop. Like uh, you know, and, and again, you know what? You don't know how long he's on the force for because we know where he's really working. So maybe he's just like thrown in there undercover. He's really you know. What do you think he showed? He showed up like Paul did for bartender. He just showed if, up. If, he, said, if Paul could show up to a cartel's party unnoticed, you know, I'm sure. You know, what's his, what's his name? Tosaki? Nozaki. Nozaki. I'm sure he could show up in the, in this because the police here weren't that smart. I mean, they were not. Not for nothing. For none of these movies, they're smart. No. And then, so before we talk about that scene, this is the one where uh, this is when Paul meets. Nathan at the movie theater. Now, what did you have to say about the movie? Well, no, I, I don't oh. think it's, I, we're going to be talking about the same thing. I'm just saying, all right, you're meeting someone because you, you know, you, at this point, we don't know why they're meeting. They, I guess they, they need to meet away from like a neutral place. Yeah. So they meet at the most quiet place possible to talk. <laughs> like, you know, you're at a movie theater where everybody's silent and you're watching a movie and that's where you want to conduct your business. Exactly. It's like going to the library and conducting a, you know, you know, <laughs> I just, I, I just found that like a weird place that they could have picked any place to go talk. And this is where I was talking about the, the money, like how much money they were losing. What movie was being shown? Do you know? Um, Was it cello? It's like Othello. I think it was like a, a double feature of Othello and Runaway. Yeah, Train. yeah, yeah, yeah. What, wouldn't have been funny Othello, if Death yeah, Wish yeah. was on there? That would have been really funny. <laughs> but here's what's even funnier. They were they were trying to save money so much. This was Canon Canon's personal viewing theater. So this wasn't even a, a real movie theater. It was just a small theater that they had at the... Oh, that's yeah. why there was like only eight seats. So that was Okay, that makes sense. Or if it was a dirty movie theater, that would have been funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was Stan Lee when it, well, I, I didn't I didn't realize that that was still Nathan when he walked in because that guy looked like he aged a hundred years when he sat down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then we find out Paul has to sneak into a fish plant to find out where the cocaine's being shipped. And this scene again, he shows up, he clocks in. Did he have an interview? Did he just show up? I don't know. But his first day, right after he clocks in, he goes, "I'm gonna go wherever I want." And this Mr. Clean looking guy <laughs> right away goes, Hey, what are you doing? And he goes, what's your name? Name's Kimball. And then right away, knees him in the balls and he's fine. Like, is that guy dead? <laughs> and everybody was, he was watching everybody from above and they were all looking at him. Like he wasn't even trying to hide or anything, you know, because he said, this is very difficult. Didn't um, Kirk Douglas say that it's going to be very difficult for him to get into the next step or yeah. Upper, or, or he said upper level. Mm-hmm. Did he say upper level? Yeah. Oh, no, no. Yo, he said to get to level two is the hardest part. No, I, when I was watching this, I'm thinking like, but he's on level two because he's looking down to the floor. 
Yeah. <laughs> so I thought he was already up there. I'm like, wasn't that difficult? Yeah. And then he actually goes back to level one because that's the ground floor that he goes. Yeah, that's insane. So he was already, so how difficult was level two? I don't know. That was so stupid. And the fact that this is the dumb thing that too, because when we see him snooping, we see a guy in an office looking out a window, like to the warehouse. And he sees Paul, like looking around like crates and you're like, Oh shit, he's going to get caught. Right. This guy follows out and can't find him somehow. But at the very same time, Paul walks up to a, a freaking guy and he goes, I was to pull, told to put this in there. And the guy goes, put what? And he knocks him out. And yes, the guy saw him <laughs> easily kind of snuck on him and see what he's doing. And you don't see him until like the last, like he was, took him forever to get there. It did. It did. And they had the high ground too. Like he's watching him from above. It's like you should be able to see every and single movie. He does what he did before, his peeping, and he does it with the door open again. <laughs> like he, like he clearly could have opened it very little and and peeked in and could 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 have seen what was going on. No, his whole face was sticking out of there. And no, not even that. The fact that from the people that are taking the cocaine out of the tuna, they could see him. But the fact that his ass is sticking out, that the people <laughs> behind him. He's just standing there. He is and no one says anything. <laughs> and then he starts shooting all these guys. And I know you always mention this, but didn't it seem like a Bugs Bunny cartoon when he pulled out that ticking time bomb? That little like dynamite wrapped in the plastic <laughs> with almost like a clock on it. As he throws that, blows up a ton of people. This scene alone, I have the body count for the whole movie, which I'll talk about when we get closer to the, the big scene with a lot of death. But he kills a ton of people here. A ton, now, first of all, why did it have to be like a time bomb? I, mean, I couldn't have been a grenade. Would have done the same exactly. exact like, the, you know, they have to do it. And again, I'm going to say, you know, these these cartels, when they're, when they're delivering drugs and everything else, they're using regular workers there. They check them when they leave and they, you know, like so. He's killing a bunch of innocent people. I guarantee you they're not being paid. You know, they're not part of the cartel that are that are checking drugs and, you know, checking the fish and all that stuff. So let's say it is, let's say he's killed now 10 innocent people. Yeah. Like Andrew said, the, Zacharias is just trying to stimulate the economy and boom. I think about all the fish he killed that, that now they can't, they can't sell it and people can't eat. <laughs> I wonder how much they charge for cocaine fish. So you got a restaurant? Is that something extra? Do so you think it's? Do so you think it's like funny mushrooms? The same thing. So it's like cocaine. So you can it's, you can have cocaine in the fish, and it's like the same kind of thing. I don't know. Well, I've read on the internet, cocaine and mushrooms have really different effects. But one makes you fast, one makes you slow. Okay. Paul Kirsty, you probably know because this is a PSA. <laughs> <laughs> I thought they were going to do something when he did blow up like that whole big, you know, when they were pack- unpacking the, the cocaine. I thought like the explosion was going to send like a cloud of like, you know, cocaine throughout the warehouse. And like, I, I really thought it was going to do something like that. And they didn't do that. And the cocaine's and all over Charles's face. And then he runs really fast. Like he doesn't need the truck. <laughs> all white now. And his mustache <laughs> is all white. Like a, like a milk mustache. <laughs> And then, and again, he walks away unscathed. Yeah, but like to your point, like these are regular workers. Or do they get bonuses if they stop guys that try to blow up the cartel? Because he's driving away in a pickup truck. They're st- they're chasing him with like broom handles. 
Well, remember, so, so they, they yell, was it like a thousand dollar reward to kill him? And it's like a thousand. See, that's what like, that's what I mean. Like they they wouldn't they wouldn't be part of the cartel. Like that's like the regular workers that are just trying to make money and leave. And yeah. So yeah, They're like thousand dollar bonus. All right, that's gonna buy exactly. my kids some clothes, you know, for for school. Um, and yeah, and he's <laughs> just mowing them down. Just you know, poor little Pacalito over there that's trying to make a living. And, oh, <laughs> terrible, terrible. Paul Kersey. <laughs> now let, now we cut to Zacharias getting ready to go on a helicopter. And we get our first M. Night Shyamalan twist of the movie. We see Nozaki show up and you're like, oh, shit, Nozaki's going to arrest him. Nope. He says exactly who it is. It's Paul Kersey. And then he goes, go take care of me. He goes, I don't do that. He's like, well, you do that now. And you're like, oh, shit. And but like I think Jamie's right. Like he maybe detectives don't shoot guns that much because they're just solving puzzles and maybe they get to the point that they do have to use their gun. But he was not ready that that no that I and and that this is the scene I meant about the gun. Um, yeah, yeah. It just didn't look. It just didn't look natural. Like you know, I mean, again, I mean, he is an actor, so I mean, you know, maybe he doesn't have a lot of action roles. Um, but he just didn't look natural holding that gun. <laughs> But they they set this up earlier after Jim Brown died, when um, the 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 Putin cop <laughs> asked Nozaki, he's like, "Did you see anybody suspicious?" And he's like, "No, I didn't see anybody." But he clearly saw Kersey, and he and you're like, "Oh, like is he gonna cover for him? Like is he gonna you know try to like you know steer him away?" And then you're like, "Oh no, he's part you of know the, you're, the you know the you're cartel. right. We didn't talk Damn about it. that." And I was thinking that. He, I, he was a good guy. He was trying to help him out, like or something. Like, yeah, I agree. Uh, that they that was that was the twist right there. That started yeah. the twist. Yeah, that yes. is true. Yes. But the fact that he shows up, you see Kersey's secretary leave, and it's pretty dark. It's late at night. So Paul, when he's not murdering and doing everything else, breaking into these fish. Like, when does he have the time to do this? Does Karen? Know, does he go home to Karen? Well, that that begs the question: What's the time period? From the, the the restaurant with you know Treo to now, how how many days or hours have gone by? I don't know. That's a great because question. I feel like I feel like not a lot of time has gone by. Like I think it's like you know pretty you know a day or or all the same day. Like it seems you know I don't know because you, because what happened was the like because we can't cover every part, but it would be like somebody dies and then we'd see like the Romero's like panicking or the Zacharias panicking. Right. So it could be me every other day he's doing the murders. I have no idea. But the fact that his secretary leaves, Dozaki shows up and he goes, I know it's you. And he pulls the gun out to shoot him. And Paul, again, calm, cool, collective. He's just sitting there and then gunshot. How does he hit him in the heart? Through his drawing desk, he did not miss one shot the entire movie. Like the entire every gunshot that he does nails exactly where he wanted to hit him. Whether it's in a kneecap, whether it's in a chest or in a head, he nails everybody the exact spot. He's the best shooter I've ever seen in a movie. Maybe Cannon was like, "We can't afford to have any missed bullets, no retakes." <laughs> <laughs> That was a significant scene, though, like because this is the first time he's killed yeah. a cop, right? Like you know, 
all three movies previously, he's killed bad guys, and now he's killed the cop. All right, but he's dirty. But, but he's okay, he's, if, if he's dirty, but does he deserve to be murdered? You know, like he's not, he's not, a, he's not a, he does not selling drugs. He's working for the cartel, and you don't even know what to what extent. He might just be a dirty cop who's just, you know, doing a little spying business on the cartel. But Kirsty killed him. But why did he kill him? He didn't want to give up Nathan White. That was the whole thing. He said, "Who are you working for?" And he said, I, "I'm not going to. I'm not working for anybody." Right. Okay. So he killed twelve people now. <laughs> yep. At least twelve people. <laughs> no, I'm talking about. I'm talking about people that did not deserve to be. Murdered. Oh, okay. <laughs> the bartender is just minding his own business. <laughs> All the, the, the video. The video store clerk. Yes. The video <laughs> store clerk. Would the um would the server who spilt the water? Oh, I, do you think he died? Oh, at the restaurant, in the, yeah, in the, at the restaurant. He's dead. I, would he have survived since he went to the back? I don't know. That it would depend on the thickness of the walls, right? I'm going to say know. everybody in that mm. restaurant died. Dude, Paul was pretty far away. It seemed, okay, and enough. he was behind a brick wall, and he felt like he just got away. Like that's the way he looked back at it. He really did just get away. Like you know, back to that. How, like, was there a timer on that thing? Like, it, it seemed like the minute he threw it, it was like going off. Like, he didn't give himself much time to get out of there. Yeah. It seemed like he knew he needed to get away, which was the reason for the the, the water splash to distract him and run away. But I didn't see. No, he wasn't. It wouldn't have been like easier. Just like you know what, I'm going to leave the bottle of wine here and then leave and then let it go off. Yeah. Like you know, yeah. maybe they would have figured. I think out they need they, a new guy. They, yeah, maybe they would take a sip and they'd be like, "This sucks." Throw it out, and then the then the waiter would definitely be the only one. He'd throw it into the dumpster, or he brings it home for him and his family. Then that could have been even worse. So maybe it worked out even better. So so Paul takes Nozaki's body, leaves it next to the, like a jogging trail. Rainier shows up and he's like, "Come on, I'm trying to take. I was trying to take a nap." And then you have like the who the guy he seems like the mayor, but I think he's the chief of police. He talks about like this. He he almost talks like he's like running for mayor of the city, but then right away he goes, "It's Kersey. He knew it was him. He was. He said he had some information on him. It's got to. It's got to be him." Rainier's a wacko too, dude. The next oh, yeah. scene's pretty crazy for a cop. That's illegal, right? Well, I I like I like he's. Yeah, yeah. Would, would you call him before, Andrew? Putin? <laughs> he does Putin. have Putin vibes. He does. That's funny. Not, not clearly not as, as as much as he should, but yeah, he's a little pussy. But <laughs> So the next scene is it. This is the scene. This is where the Romero's call, uh, Zacharias calls the Romero's and he goes, I don't know who's doing it, but they're trying to set us up to to go against each other. So let's meet. Where should we meet? And he goes, how about Vincenzo's? And he's like, your restaurant? You think I'm going to meet at your restaurant? Because I don't know. Uh, how about the oil fields? That's your next option. Not like a mall or something. But that, again, but that just shows you again that Vincenzo's, second time Italian restaurant, they were totally making you think this is an Italian mob. Well, I just made that up, but it sounded. No, but it was an Italian restaurant. It, oh, okay. Or Tony's. But they Tony, said another said Italian restaurant. Was so, yeah. Coming, yeah. So. Wait, yeah. So you think they should have met at a mall? So like both both cartels walking with guns and meet at what the 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 food court? The food, the food court, exactly. <laughs> the food court. 
Let's, we're going to meet at Banana Republic. And, uh, you know. <laughs> you own for Banana Republic. We're meeting at the Rainforest Cafe. <laughs> no, but just this whole thing. that The fact that they're meeting in the middle of nowhere, where these guys are supposed to be smart. We, we know they're not like the smartest gang. They're low. And then there's hills above them. So somebody who is taking off all their taking out all their guys one by one can easily pick them off and the way this oh. starts yeah oh before wouldn't you think i mean obviously they don't trust each other so wouldn't you think they would scope the area out exactly you know before as they got there they didn't scope at all they didn't look above anywhere they first of all they both arrived at the same time right they, they both the cars pulled in the exact same time with the exact number of cars they both had three cars limos and they both had the exact same number of people that got out of the cars. <laughs> Maybe it's like two hand touch football. They have to line up the same amount of guys. You bring seven, I bring seven. Only two Uzis. <laughs> <laughs> it was just such a joke. But clearly, they brought their entire cartel there. Yeah. Because it wiped, it wiped them away. And just the way it started, the fact that they just met up, they started talking. Romero and Zacharias and what started was a gunshot that was from a monster gun the gun that Paul Kirsty has in the scene a gunshot that oh. these guys aren't that dumb right that it didn't come from one of the bullets wouldn't they have seen a cross of somebody shot and then from that they just all no they, they they assumed they had they assumed that someone was sniping from the other cartel the tensions were so high, you know, they're just, I mean, I, ready I think to they, go. they just figured it was, you know, someone they planted, but again, why did they search the area? They totally think about, think about lethal weapon when the helicopter was flying around, checking everywhere in, in the desert, you know, like that's what they would normally would do, yeah. you know, no, they just arrive, you know, and assume everything's okay. <laughs> How'd you like the stunts in this scene? I think these are, I think these are two low level cartels. I, you know, and, and I think it comes to fruition in the, in, in the end, but like, like we're led to believe like these are really big cartels in there. I don't think they really are. I think they're, they're like, like third well, string. Well, think about this way. Cartels, I mean, when we know. find out there is a third one somewhere, you know, it's like a one man gang. I don't know who else is. It's him and Jesse. That's it. Yeah. You know, it's really just that it's LA, New York. Big gangs. Those guys know what to do. Chicago, the second city. L.A., it's the third city. The gangs are They're just learning the whole deal. But the stunts in this scene. Oh, every person was flying around for every shot. Like, they went, they all got blown or went around. It was, it was regular guns. I mean, they were being tossed. They were being tossed around. Two different guys put their heads through the, the car windows. Like a torpedo, like and it, it's almost like he dove headfirst with his arms on his side into the window. Yeah, <laughs> crazy. So, so this is the point where I realized there was something up because if you looked at the timeline, you know, there's like 20 minutes left in the movie, right? And it's like this is the shootout between the gangs. It's like, all right, there's there's something else going on. Wh- what's gonna happen? And that's why I kind of I like this a lot more than I, I don't want to say a lot more than the other ones, but like there's so many twists and turns. Like, this is almost like a thinking man's death wish, right? The other ones, you know, three was a shoot 'em up. 
you know, the first two were like revenge movies. This one has so much twists and turns. Like they, they definitely evolved. Well, they, they didn't have much three. of a budget for anything else. So, you know, writing a story doesn't take much of a budget. So that's probably where they put, you know, but you, what, what I like about the twist coming up is if when you figure when, when the twist comes up the way they did it, like you clearly can, like he can clearly put two and two together maybe now and say, all right, you know, I know what's going on, but no, they go to the house again to see that he's not there. Like that to me was a good part. Um, I just don't know. Knowing that he would. Oh, we didn't even get to that part. We, he has to get it set up. Well, we're close. So. Well, all, really, all in this part, all it is is Paul just shooting all these guys, the guys that are left in the oil fields. There's not that many yep. left. You have the number two guy for the Romero gang, the brother. He gets shot while he's getting ready to shoot Zacharias because Paul, I guess, wants to kill him himself, it seemed, right? Well, yeah, well, he does, but doesn't one of the car leave? One of the, One of the. Yeah, Zacharias is number two because he's yeah. like, wait, wait, and he peels around the corner. And this is where he shoots him in the leg and slow walks with that massive gun towards him. You know, but yeah, he wants to because he has the picture. He, he brought the picture of the daughter. Yes. I don't know her. I do. <laughs> God, I love that. God, I absolutely love that. But it didn't. It didn't feel satisfactory. Like that. That was almost, you know, foreshadowing the end of the movie. Like there was no satisfaction with that kill, right? Like because we never, we've never seen Zacharias be, like, like personally responsible for Erica's death, for any like any bad actions. Um, I, I don't know. There, there was, there was no. So the the fish market and the video store, which cartels are those? Uh. Romero's was the video store. Okay, so they both. I was going to say they they because they don't seem like cartels. Like Zacharias does not seem like a cartel. Hmm. You know, so I was wondering, like, you know, is he involved in drugs at all? You know, or or is he just, you know, okay, yeah, all right. No, and the fact that again, they obviously sold her the the crack cocaine, so she died, but she did it herself. It's not like they made her do it or shot her up. You know what I mean? So it's kind of weird. Like Andrew said, it's like, is there a satisfaction for Paul? I guess in a way, because other, all these other kids died by drugs that they're putting on. Yeah, but he doesn't, he doesn't know that only the, his girlfriend knows that he doesn't know about the kids that were in the morgue. Well, I'm sure they talk, right? Have they seen each other since? They haven't seen each other since. Because every time he goes home, the morgue. Nope. There is is none. No action. No, no. (laughs) So this is where he, he, he says the job is done and, and, and the, what's his name says, all right, let's meet Nathan. Yeah. Well, first he says, I thought, I swear he said, let's meet at the golf course, the country club, country club. That was not a country yeah. club. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't a country club. Yeah. It was like the opposite of the oil field. <laughs> it was the other side of it, a different angle. We never saw because it was a next, That's to what it, looked electric, like. it was next yeah. to a razor wired fence. Yes. And the car was parked. And he goes, can you get in? Oh, he's like, oh, I thought Nathan was going to be there. I'm going to bring you to him. And the fact that he gets in the car, the guy walks okay. away, lights a cigarette, and a car comes to pick him up. Okay. All right. So this scene. Okay. We now we, we touched some of this before about the fact that why do they have to go to this elaborate thing to blow up the car when they can easily just kill him? You know, because he wasn't expecting it at all. Exactly. You know, they, so if they shot him, he would not have known. But okay, so they want to do this elaborate thing where he blows. Maybe maybe they, they don't want ev- any evidence. They, they don't want to deal with the body. But how long was he in there 
before that bomb was going off. I know. I mean, clear. Like, he literally had enough time to kick his way out of there and escape. Was it on a timer? Was that guy having a button that he could have pressed? I mean, I'm say it. Like, I, 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 and why not have one with a button? I mean, he, he had a guy that could make a wine bomb. So why couldn't he make a bomb with a button? Or just a rocket launcher or a grenade. Anything. Well, Percy does have a grenade launcher at the end. No, he does. But I'm saying, why didn't they use this now? Yeah, right. Well, they use the same guy. They do. He has his cards. I love that he shoots out the back of it just in time and then climbs out. Literally, it it blows up the second he's like two feet away. (laughs) I mean, like like I said, he, he he had to be in that car for a good two minutes at least. It was way too long because he checked all the handles. After you checked the one, he had enough time to really like make make his escape plan. Like he had enough time to think. Like that, that, what kind of bomb is that? No, I know, and I think we talked about this one time. They should do spoof movies about these because wouldn't it have been really funny? Like once you check, first of all, you don't even need. I don't think you need to check the door handles if your limo driver gets into a car and leaves because you might maybe assume <laughs> it. But what if he did leave the one door open? He just opens the door, walks out. I, I I think it would be good if like you know like he the, the limo driver pulls away but is watching and like he Kirsty gets out and it doesn't go off so the guy's like whoa what happened and he walks over he lifts the doorknob blows up. <laughs> so that's a Bugs Bunny. That's a coyote thing. That's a wily coyote. Yeah. So then Paul pissed off. He goes, you know what? I'm gonna go to Nathan White's house. I'm gonna give him a piece of my mind. Okay. So. Doesn't he think that just knocking on the front door, he's going to be like let in? Like this guy just tried to kill him, and he doesn't think like you know he might be in danger walking to the front door or something. No, just he he knocks on the door. No fear, and the fact that the butler at the door says, "How'd you get past the gate?" So was it like a lock gate or like an armed man at the gate? Like what did he get past? And the fact that he barges into the room and it's a guy that's older than Bronson. Yeah, <laughs> that'd been a good fight scene. <laughs> but I did, I did like the fact that he's like, "That's my name," right? Then he goes like, you know, like so, like this. This is where the to me, like they could have done it a, a cheesier way, and I thought this was pretty good. Like, oh, wow, this I guy didn't even come to the, like where, like he was using his house, like you yeah. know. Yeah, that was a really good twist. That was a real. That was probably yeah. the best twist in the movie. And he, and he even says, "I've, yeah. I've, I wasn't here last week. I've been in Europe the last three months." So yeah. like that lined up perfect. And then even Paul driving. How about this? Another bad henchman. Oh. If you have the chance to get rid of a guy, do it. Paul gets pulled over by two cops. They check him. They throw him in the back of the car. And I love that Paul goes, "Oh, well, if you're taking me to the police station, it's that way." And the guy's like, "Shut up." And you're like, wait, fake cops. They're ready for everything. How do they know he's still alive? Okay. Not only that. Okay. He's in this car with handcuffs and they have guns in a front seat. He had enough time to kick that grate or the, whatever the gate that's blocking them yeah. before they were able to shoot the gun. They give him way too much time. These are still real cops, I'm assuming. Now, they, they didn't read him his Miranda rights, <laughs> which kind of tipped me off that they were kind of a little fugazi. But 
there's I think there's still real cops. So this is now three law enforcement officers that he's, he's killed, killed them. And again, they're not good cops because it doesn't take long to take a gun out and shoot him. The minute they realize he's kicking, he should have been dead. Yeah. Yeah. And no. somehow one of them does survive. One of the cops does survive because in the next scene, this is where you see. So, so, so <laughs> yeah. this is where. Oh, I thought they both died. I thought they, they both died in the crash. No, because Nathan, not Nathan, who is, so he does have a name. So John P. Ryan's character changed. He's like, I don't know. What would you even call it? What he is now? A slime ball? The way he talks? The big gold chain? He's wearing a friggin' denim jacket. He doesn't look like <laughs> Will Forte in that, in that picture by me, behind me. He does. He looks like MacGruber, <laughs> sort of. He yes. does, 100%. Like old man McGruber. McGruber. But he has a cigar <laughs> in his mouth yep. and just his anger towards these guys. So I guess somewhere in some iteration of one of the scripts, again, this is Wikipedia, they have next to his name, his name is Ferrari. So I don't know if that was like a name they dubbed him as his like drug dealer name, but uh, dude, it's the turn that he made for me, like yeah. this very elegant rich guy that talked very slow and Mr. Kersey to this friggin' <laughs> slimy guy that seems like he's hanging at the track. Are you fucking dead? I said everything's great. Except the whole operation is sold up in a few months. Most of Zacharias' street dealers are ready to work for us. Romero boys are breaking our balls, but don't worry, we'll push them in line. It's amazing. It's really, I love it. It I is. Love every part <laughs> no, of it. it is. So now we're at, oh yeah, we got Jesse. So now all these guys that their bosses are dead. Again, does Ferrari, John P. Ryan, have anybody really work for him? Because his two employees are the number two from Zacharias. And Jesse right. was one of the pushers for Romero. Oh, was no, for Zacharias. So his two Zacharias' Zacharias. guys. Yeah. yeah. And Jesse calls Karen and says, hey, me. I have some information for you. And dude, this is, <laughs> this gets crazy. So they must really not know who, like, like, like this whole movie, they're like, who's sending us up? Who's, who's, so this old white guy must really be an unknown third cartel, right? Like, as you would have thought, been like, oh, maybe it was old man winter that's, you know, trying to turn us against each other. But like, like, like if he's such like the, you know, the, the, the big, you know, uh, 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 manipulator of all this. Like he, he's totally unknown to them. You talking about the cops or? No, 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 no. The old man Winter, the uh, KFC. Guy. Yeah, yeah. Because they were only worried about the other two cartels. Why were they not worried about this guy? Like, I don't think he is in the yeah. game. I think he wants to get into it, and he's trying to get them to kill each other so he. Can so you run think in. he's got? He, Maybe oh, he's from New York or Chicago, and he's coming. To so move you think in. he's a, he's a startup cartel? That's an interesting question. He's okay. a startup cartel. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Because right. no, to be honest, okay. he doesn't have anybody work for him. So there's no way one guy can be running all this. So he's going to try to maybe just like swoop in when they're dead and just take over the operations. He took two employees. But he has Jesse though. That's the key. Like he has Je like, how does Jesse know to come to him? Yeah. But was Je Jesse yeah, wasn't number one, right? Is he number one to the old Kirk? No, no right. Jesse was like a so, pusher. So maybe for... he's in on it with Kirk Douglas and he, he was part of it. So now he's number, he's a number one guy now with him, the other guy being the leader. 
Because why else would Jesse go with him? See, I think we need a Death Wish 4A <laughs> to further delve into these character stories. Um, like, like we can definitely deep fake Charles Bronson and and, and redo, you know, do uh, some deleted or How about we just start our own DWCU, a Death Wish cinematic universe? Wow. Like Marvel, <sighs> boom. Oh, man. Mm. <laughs> so then we get... So this is where I started about before. Like, this is how crazy Rainier is, or Putin, as Andrew calls him. When Kersey gets home, and he's like, Karen... I'm sorry, Vladimir Putin. This is the only time that... I think he says, Karen, are you home? And he walks in, and Rainier's sitting there with the gun. Yes. And he's, like, shaking. He's so friggin' angry. And then Paul's trying to tell him everything that's going on, and that... Nozaki was dirty and he doesn't believe him. Yeah, he doesn't believe him at all. Right. And then the phone call comes right now, right? Yep. yep. Karen's already kidnapped. Right. So this is where he finds out. And the cop now is hearing all this and he still doesn't believe him. <laughs> He's literally in yeah. the room listening to this conversation that is that his girlfriend is kidnapped. And what does Paul do? He takes the phone. He does like a one two combo. He takes the phone. <laughs> Well, he kind of deserves it because the guy before that open hand smacks yes. Paul. Yes, he does. In the face. he does. Oh, you know what? And he does like, I don't think he, has a, he gets a mark from it, but he keeps holding his face and like he licking does. his lip. But there's no, I don't think there's any bruise there. He may have dislodged. It's shifted it to the side a little have. bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he has like this one, two combo. He hits him with the phone in the head and then punches him. He hits the couch. He's out, passed out on the ground. So that's an assault of another law yeah. enforcement officer. So now we're up to number four. Is he really punching that hard at 67 to knock him out? I mean, I don't know. Ask James Brown, who's uh, on top of a limo dead right now. Yeah, all right. Yeah, but he, wait, he went in his defense. He went through a TV. <laughs> a death. A death is a death. <laughs> it counts. I'm not sure why he had to punch him either. Like, I don't, I like, I, I have a feeling like, uh, like if he like sat there and like reasoned with him, like he might have been able to like Think turn he, him he onto his time side. to like reason with this guy. Cared about where Karen has been for the last two weeks. So that is true. I think I mean, she can hold on for another is, hour. I mean, she could have that like two weeks ago. He wouldn't even know. <laughs> yeah, like he didn't even, like he didn't even like really like, I don't know. He didn't even seem like that worried. He was like, okay, you know, <laughs> okay. I love her right away. He goes to his fridge. Did you notice his fridges? He had two ginormous fridges next to each other, and he pulls the one back. And the secret room there? Dude, he's an architect, so it makes sense. I guess if he built that house. Whose house is it? Is it his or Karen's? I was under the impression it was Karen's house. Well, it's Karen's, and, and maybe he sent her, her and the daughter away on a trip for a couple weeks, and then he was able to build a secret room, a panic room where he has all his guns. So that question, do you think Karen knows about his history? Like, this, is, is, does Karen know that he's really Batman kind of thing? You know, like, you know, like, she doesn't know that, you know, his dark side, you know, like Bruce Wayne, Batman kind of thing. I don't know. I mean, is the second fridge an indicator <laughs> yeah. of a previous murder lifestyle? I don't know. Maybe Karen likes to eat like a horse. She yeah. eats like a horse too. <laughs> not not like a whore. <laughs> so the next scene in the the parking garage. So 
I thought this was coming first up full circle from the oh. when I saw this parking garage. I'm like, all right, it's coming full circle from the beginning. <laughs> yeah. What, what what kind of business is this, is this garage doing? Because there's never a car in there. <laughs> well, this is the skating rink parking lot yeah. with t- like thousands of people on the sk- skating rink, but nobody parked. Nobody parked. Now, no cars. So the skating rink has multi multiple level cars, like uh, garage. That many people go there? I mean, maybe they just <laughs> skate in there. Maybe they don't drive. I don't. <laughs> they skate in there. It's teen night, so none of these kids drive. So there's going to be no cars. <laughs> Their parents already dropped them off, and they're good. But, dude, this scene blew my mind. Not even – I don't even know if you're thinking about what I'm thinking, but the, the fact that they see Jesse in his car and in the car is also uh, Ferrari, John P. Ryan, and Karen. And Karen's in the car too. Yes. The fact that Paul's in it, they flash the high beams and the car starts moving. Okay. And it turns. This car turns. Yes. And then they're like, get him. They they block the car in, they shoot it up. Nobody's in it. How the hell did not the fact that he jumped out? That's ridiculous. But how'd the car turn? Um, first of all, it's that 80s trope that how many times you see a movie where there's like bricks tied to the gas pedal there's string on the on the steering wheel to like you know make it turn like you know this is paul kirsty we're talking about i i, I would have liked them to show that <laughs> i i really would have liked them to like pan into the well then it would give it away like it. you know we're supposed I, to think I, that he's really in there you know because not for nothing they unloaded on this car you know if if, if he was in there they shot about five hundred bullets to kill him because they they literally unloaded on this car. They could have ran out. They could have wasted all their bullets, and then well, they wouldn't have been ready. They wasted tons of bullets. Like they they it it, it was easily was like a minute of them just three guys shooting at this car with one guy they're thinking it's in there. If they had Paul on their side, he would have used one bullet, <laughs> just one bullet. He would have took him out. So old man Winter, he's he's armed Cursey to the teeth at this point, right? Like he's he's made his 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 um you know armory guy available to him. He's armed Cursey with every single weapon that he needs, and then he's gonna go try to kill. I I it, it just seems so. Yeah, he gave Cursey his, his the guy's card, all the weapons he needs. And then he's in it. Exactly. Well, he also, in his defense, he thought he killed him already. So, like, I, I guess he didn't expect him to go twice. Yeah. He thought he could. Yeah. He should have killed him twice. Yeah. Well, he had about five like opportunities to times. kill him. Yeah, but this is like three times that he thought he should be dead. This with the shooting him 500 times. But the fact that Paul then has this rocket launcher. No, it's a grenade launcher. And. The grenade. Oh, is that what it is? Grenade well, launcher. Well, because, I mean, I, I first I thought it was a rocket launcher, but normally you see the rocket come out. This was just basically just blowing things up like left and right. Like he was at this point, he turns into John Wick and Rambo. Like he's a combination of John Wick (laughs) Wick and Rambo. Did did you guys notice Jesse when he drove away, when he left them, when his car blew up, when Tim Russ died, it was a really bad dummy. It was just a dummy. The car was barely moving and the rocket hits and just explodes. Was it Danny Trejo again? Because they've used this dummy the other times. <laughs> <laughs> I would have loved that. 
it's like a Hollywood dummy. Well, I, at this point, I would assume it's deflated because it was deflating at the restaurant. So can you imagine like they just had like. <laughs> well, this is a question you would ask is the. Oh, yeah. The dummy have a sad card. Uh, considering the dummy's been in multiple scenes. Uh, listen, I think I think that the autopilot in airplane has a sad card. Flawless body double. <laughs> that is the most. Um, I, that really is the most amazing. I mean, again, I mean, not that rehash talking about it. It is so bad, but the fact that it looks nothing like you know who he's supposed to. Like the other guy looks like Jack Nicholson. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. I, I would hope Danny Trejo wears it. I I would hope he owns a shirt with that on it. Can you that send? Face. Can you send him that picture? Like in his Instagram, send him that picture. Oh, sure. Danny, you're getting an Instagram. Danny, huge fan of the podcast. So so then this scene, John P. Ryan, he takes the girl. He runs upstairs to the roller ring. So this is where we see henchmen we didn't know about. So I'm guessing these were John P. Ryan's henchmen that are just walking around in an arcade with guns. Yeah. And what if what if he never made got up there? Because they were assuming... They were going to kill him in the garage, so they were yeah. just waiting with guns up there. Yeah, and no, no one's saying a thing. That I is mean, true. Everybody, it, it was, that was normal. Like that might yeah. be a regular right. thing. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I do love when Paul walks up and he has that gun, and he's clearly just walking past. There's nobody knows what's going on. They didn't hear the explosion. There was no vibrations on the roller rink. Everybody's just still going Look. around in circles. Paul's walking around. Nothing. Well, don't forget the DJ there. So happening. the music is pr- probably pretty loud. So now that it's like true. a naked gun kind of movie. Like I would like to see the bad guy throwing some skates, and then Paul Kersey throw skates on and go after him. <laughs> that would have been fantastic. You know, a shootout around the roller rink. Oh my <laughs> god, that would have put the movie over the top. So he he kills the henchmen around the arcade games. It's nothing. He blows up the games. Nothing exciting. No, but, okay. So do you do you think it's possible that any innocent bystanders were around that he killed? Also, yeah. Okay. There might have been some trampling. Okay. Oh, he's up to about okay. he's twenty-five now. Yeah. So this is the one I wanted to talk about. So yeah, he does shoot the arcade games because they blow up. So I'm sure, those bullets went through the back and maybe went through someone. But when he shoots the guy that comes out of nowhere and the guy falls into the fence, <laughs> did you guys notice like two of the rollerbladers that were going pretty fast got whacked in the head by the fence when it flew? <laughs> it was insane. It was like somebody, people were injured. Well, uh, you got to assume they're not stunt stunt people. They were just like, they're probably just like, like really good at roller skating. So that definitely took them by surprise. Hey, you guys want to be in a movie? We're not going to get hurt, right, mister? No, just sign this waiver. <laughs> we are now gathered here today to remember the life of Rollerblader 1 and Roller Skater 2. But, man, it looked like they got decapitated. That was like, fuck. And now... Yeah, that, 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 that looked like it hurt. That was like a steel cage match. Oh, The showdown that the 80s wanted. John P. Ryan versus Charles Bronson. <laughs> and he has he has Karen at this point, right? 
He has Karen and number two, uh, Zacharias is number two. Yeah, he's using her as a human shield. And then Zacharias is number two is lurking around. But don't you think that she had a, a few opportunities that she could have like escaped from him? Because she really, he really didn't have that much of a hold on her. And he wasn't really focused on her. Like, I think if like, she tried to run away, I don't think he'd go after her because he's so worried about Kersey. Like, I kind of yeah. blame her. Like, like she could have ran away. Wow. Victim blaming. <laughs> oh, I'm just saying she didn't make much of an effort because maybe, you know, something bad might not have happened to her later on. I'm not sure why he ungagged her either. Like, why did he remove the gag from her mouth? Like, like, is that so she can breathe easier when she's running away? <laughs> like, I didn't. That it seems like an and a weird move. Like, you, I would think you would want to keep her gag the whole Did time. Did we see it? Them remove the gag, or it was probably they just fell like off continue. as they were running away. They fell down. <laughs> I thought he removed it in like the closet. Oh yeah. When he when he went to retrieve yeah, her, that was so weird because they go. Where's Karen? And they go, oh, she's in the bathroom. She's in the powder room. Like, <laughs> but she's just in this storage closet. All right, Jamie, hold on. Erica in that bottom right picture, she's definitely on Coke. She must have she might have had a prop, like a year-long problem. I like so you don't, you don't think now, she, it, it was like a one-time thing. Okay, so it wasn't I don't think that was her first time with, with JoJo. I think she she's been on it for a <laughs> okay. while. You still feel bad that she died? I, I yeah, <laughs> but I mean, she definitely looks a little little suspicious. Well, she was yeah. dating that guy, and the guy knew JoJo pretty well, and I feel like they were only. And you you had to assume so. that she knew that he he sold drugs and and bought drugs, so yeah, so she knew what she was getting into. Is what you're saying? Okay, yeah. all right. Yeah. so then they're at this other the roller rink gets all dark there's just like the disco ball going and then paul sees in the reflection number two behind him boom makes quick work of him and the ending scene of this movie is this no no i i I see a movie and like i'll tell you right now i did not expect it at all I mean, uh, you know, I, you know, listen, the guy's had a lot of torment in his life. I did not expect that. So, I mean, now the, no, the cop's not there yet, right? He, Putin didn't show up yet. Okay. Okay. No, he comes like right after that. So then they're outside. They, they all run outside. John P. Ryan has Karen. She finally fights back. She bites his hand. She starts running. He oozes her yeah. in the back. And it's crazy because when he shoots her and you see like the whatever they use, it's only like a little bit. And then they cut to Paul. He's heartbroken. And then they show the body again. And it's all blood. Hold on a second. Is he really heartbroken, though? That's just, well, I mean, is he? Is he heartbroken? Is he? <laughs> so. So. <laughs> yes. But what he does next. Wait. So the cop shows up now. He, right? No, it's not yet. Oh, he didn't kill a guy. You're right. You're right. Okay. No, the next scene is after she's dead on the ground, he looks over because he's been firing too many bullets. John P. Ryan, he's all out and then freaking grenade launcher and he explodes. You know what? If he didn't shoot so many bullets for one guy in that car, he would be alive today. Exactly. Well, I don't know if he'd be alive today because. Well, yeah, well, he's pretty old back then. All right. 
but but you know what? Think about that. So like, just you know, if any drug dealers are listening right now, you know, don't waste your bullets. That you is never true. know. Save your bullets. <laughs> no, now this is where Rainier uh, shows up, and he pull. He's pointing a gun at Paul, and Paul doesn't. He doesn't. Give, get, we know he doesn't. And again, care about another the person that's giving Paul too much time. I'm going to shoot. I'm going to shoot. He says it like three times. You walk away. I'm going to shoot. And he just keeps walking. He just keeps walking. I thought he was uh, going to at least bow down, maybe do a little kiss on the cheek. It almost looks girl. like he was, he's walking off set. <laughs> he's like, he was like, he, he didn't want to do this movie again. You know, like, again, he was upset about the third movie. He's upset about it. He goes, that's it. I had it. And he's not even re- remorsing with the girl dying. He didn't stop at her. He walked right past her. And just kept walking. Listen, he's been counting down the, the four million. You know, he has it down to like you know twelve thousand per minute. I'm he's willing like, to bet I'm up, he, he, up those out. stairs was the end of the set, and he walked right off. Like that's the last <laughs> part. Uh, and he just like didn't check on that woman at all. Not not nothing. Like ah, he's like yeah, I'm used to this by now. This is the third one I've lost. <laughs> I mean, if he kicked her on like the way out, I wouldn't even flinch. I mean, it would have just been like expected, but like, ah, sh-. like even if he like, what if he like, like tripped on her? her out of the way so he can get up? To- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or just like a little, little hop. Like, I mean, the moral of the story is don't get close to Paul Kersey or you're gonna die. Yeah, and the, the music is way too upbeat too, right? It was kind of like bam, bam. <laughs> He's happy. It's finally over. He's like, all right, fine. He's you know, that's it. Oh happy, end- happy ending. I have to say, I've been brainwashed by too many MCU movies that I was waiting for like oh, yeah. an end credit scene, Always. like where he would go check yeah, on her. Yeah, bullshit. That's not happening at all. He doesn't <laughs> fuck that. So that was Death Wish for by far our longest review ever because <laughs> there's a lot to unpack. So before I ask our action movie sequel expert, uh, what he, I'll, I'll pose a different question because obviously he's going to recommend it. But one thing I found, which is pretty wild, because after this, it was uh, Death Wish, the face of death. But there was an unfilmed sixth movie. And this could have been pretty cool just by the name of it. Death Wish 6, the new vigilante. So maybe he would have had like oh. somebody that he was training. That could have been pretty cool. No, no. I'm thinking. That's you, Doug. That's he you. dies. Doug, that's you. And like his son is now the vigilante. He has no family. They're all dead. He gets a girl in every movie. So he, he gets married. Does he get? Does he have a new girlfriend in the fifth one? Yeah, it's uh, Don Fontenot's oh, wife. Does she die? <laughs> all right. She doesn't. So Very yeah, rare. Okay. All right, Doug, you, you have a lot of connections in this industry. Let's, Let's get that, that made. I'll be the creepy dude. <laughs> I'll be the creepy uh, guy in the back of room with the video store. Oh, I think you're going to be the guy that's um, pooping let, let, let's, let's outside the b- g- girl's window so she doesn't call oh, the cops. <laughs> oh, here's the paper. <laughs> All right, so Andrew, this is what I'm going to post to you because obviously this movie rocks. We love it. Three or four? Which one's better? So three is fun. Three is, you know, you, you can drink, you can sit back drink uh, you know tons of alcoholic beverages and it's a great shoot 'em up movie you don't have to think about it you just enjoy the action right 
four is, is is a thinking man's death wish. There's so many plot twists and stuff. It's it's great up until the end where he just doesn't give a shit about his his love interest. Um, so I, I'm gonna say it depends on what you're you want to do. If you just want to watch a soul, you know, a shoot 'em up movie, don't give a shit in the world. Number three, if you want something with a little spunk, with a little uh, you know, plot devices, I'm gonna say four. All right. Jamie, you same okay. question. No, I, I can do the same. I'll, I'll I'll answer both okay. since you know I know our we our guest last week said that I don't like any movies, so um I do I, listen. I definitely recommend this. I mean, this is such an eighties, you know, over the top action movie. Watch it. Uh, as far as which Death Wish, I think three is a much better Death Wish. I think four is like a movie on its own. It's a separate to me. It's a separate movie. It's not Death Wish. You know, um, he's hired to be a, a a killer. Like it's it's a different kind of movie. So I think you know, I think three's a. If you're looking for Death Wish and follow that formula, three's much better. Uh, but if you're looking for just ridiculous, over the top action, and you got to go four. So, all right, and better line: chicken. I like chicken, or I'm making making a sandwich. A sandwich. I, by far, I think it's the best line in all the movies. That's because oh, it was man. so quick the way he answered it. And it just, it's, it just based on the scene it was, it was just so ridiculous. It was the dumbest, it, it was the dumbest thing he possibly could have said in that moment, but it yeah. worked. <laughs> and just to like piggyback on both of you guys, I, I think both of you bring up great points. Three is a straight action movie. It's the traditional Jeff Wish gets right into it. Like this movie takes, I think it's almost like minute 30 before we actually see Paul. Uh, he already kills Jojo, so maybe it's around 25 minutes until he gets into it. Then it picks up. But uh, now they're both great movies. But before I we introduce next week's movie, thank you, Andrew. Now, the body count in this movie was 61. I don't, I don't think that's right. That's it? Yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah. are they counting all the innocent people that died? So <laughs> I think I think not. that's only the, 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 the obvious ones that we saw. But it's not counting the store yeah. clerk. It's not counting the bartender. And and all the right. all the warehouse workers that now have coke addictions because of the 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 secondhand contact with the airborne powder. How many lives have they destroyed? How many lives? How many lines did they destroy? Whoa. To little cocaine humor for all you cocaine <laughs> fans out there. Thank you, Andrew. Our action movie sequel, X Work. So next week, it's a busy week for us. Just the timing of everything, and I was a poor planner. So it's Friday the freaking 13th. So Monday, interview with a legendary casting director, Fern Champion. Uh, she cast her for four, five, and six. We chose what I think, oh. and Jamie agrees. The best one, there's a way to look at it. The best Friday the 13th is part four. The most fun is six. Six or seven. Well, which one is Jason Lives? Oh, okay. Six. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. a fun one. So that's how I look at yeah. both of them. Before to me is by far, I think the staple of all of them. Exactly. And Chris Egan, who's our horror expert, is like the best horror movie we're going to give him. Usually he's doing the fly Two (laughs) and, you know, Amityville Two and all these bad horror movies, but this is a great one. And man, Fern champion, her stories about casting, how she went from being a fashion designer 
to casting and how they kind of work hand in hand. She casted the Cheech and Chong movies, the first five police academies. So she has some stories about finding those people, breaking and breaking to Electric Boogaloo and so many more. She has a great story about how she discovered Cameron Diaz for The Mask and a lot more. So that's a great chat. So don't forget to review, rate, share our podcast. Follow us on all social media at Sequels Only. And don't forget to check out our website, sequelsonly.com. Good night. Good night.